Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud and today we're talking about the astrology of March 2024. I hope that you're doing well out there and having a beautiful Friday afternoon or whatever day of the week that you are engaging with our show today. Uh, we're going to go on a beautiful journey through all of the lunations of March, the ingresses, the solar phases, the out-of-bounds planets. We're going to break down each of the solar decans that the sun is going to be traveling through, each 10 degree section. We're going to be talking about some of the myths and themes associated with those 10 degree sections. We're going to be breaking down a day-by-day um, aspect relationship between various planets and just have some beautiful conversations. We're getting ready for spring and um, we're going to get prepared and we're going to learn about what, what needs to be required of us through the magic of the I Ching and an animal symbol as well. So, uh, hope that you're doing well out there. Just going to welcome a few friends here today before we get started. Uh, let me know if you're here. If you're here today live with me on this Friday afternoon, drop me a comment in the, in the uh, YouTube chat. And uh, it's always lovely seeing your faces there. Uranus Ascending is here. It says, greetings and salutations. Nice to see you, Uranus Ascending. Welcome, friend. Uh, Rachel Fletcher is here from Roanoke, Virginia. Oh, I love the little owl there. Nice to see you, Rachel. Hope you're doing well in your neck of the woods. Carol from Mass is here. It says, hello and thank you for unpacking March. Spencer, okay. Uh, excited to see you here too as well, Carol. <clears throat> okay. So, friends, uh, a couple more friends. Ooh, we've got Tracy Ch Chaplin coming, giving us our, her little hedgehog symbols. I believe we've been chatting about hedgehogs and... Uh, I think Tracy's joining me from the UK where they have hedgehogs. <laughs> we don't have them here uh, in the United States uh, in the wild. Um, but yes, friends, we are going to be going on a journey today. We're going to be talking about the astrology of March 2024. Uh, I'm going to try to make, sh make sure, see if I can, I'm going to aspire. Okay, I'm going to aspire to doing this within a three-hour time increment. Maybe we set ourselves a timer there. I know that Mercury has just moved into Pisces, and we may tend to wander or meander, but uh, with that in mind, and with, eh, you know, understanding that maybe sometimes our energy levels might tend to flag after three hours, let's see if we can get through it today in, a, in an efficient manner. So <clears throat> we will be breaking down the astrology, a couple announcements I want to make before we get to that is, uh, if you aren't familiar with my work, I am a professional astrologer. I do readings. I do personal interactions with folks, one-on-one -on -one readings. I do classes. I do these live streams every Friday, sometimes Thursday, every week where we go live, we answer your questions, we talk about the astrology, especially of the new and the full moons and the astrology of the month. We do Q&A sessions. I also have 2024 offerings that you can find at my website, spencermichaud.com. Uh, if you go to spencermichaud.com and you click on the book now uh, little link there, you can find all of the different offerings that I have, which include natal readings, transit readings, astrological tutoring classes, etc. So check that out at spencermichaud.com. And uh, I'm looking forward to working with all of you. Um, you can, of course, follow me at spencermichaud on Instagram and X, as well as threads. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram, so that's the probably the best place to find me, but you can find me in those other placements as well. I am also having a Pisces season sale. The Decans of Pisces 
A few of the slides which you'll see today is on sale for 20% off. These are two and a half to three hour webinars where I talk about all of the different uh, astrological symbolism associated with the 10 degree sections of Pisces, the myths, the cards, the fixed stars, um, how to integrate that into your astrological prax praxis or practice. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can get yourself a deal. If you go back to spencermichaud.com, you can click on the store link and you'll find all of the Deccans webinars as well as stars and cards incorporating the tarot into your astrological practice. Um, there's some cool things on there. Check it out. And of course, my beautiful partner, Tanya Andrews of Third Coast Mojo is having a sale also. This is the Shining Sea sale where she has the Venus and Pisces um, election materia on sale. So check that out. It's Pisces season. We're going to have Venus moving into Pisces. We could probably use a little extra Piscean juice right now. She also has a beautiful Jupiter and Pisces uh, oil called Oceans of Abundance. That's really great. And there's some really cool stuff coming. I've been, you know, I've, we, you know, share, share an abode together and I've been witnessing some of the, the wonderful magical workings that she's been doing. So if you want to know when uh, more stuff is coming out. You can either sign up on my newsletter, uh, which is in the description uh, of this video, or you can sign up at Tanya's newsletter as well at Third Coast Mojo on Etsy. So check that out. She does really great work. Uh, I'm just really enjoying being the guinea pig for a lot of it and just marinating in a lot of her beautiful astrological material. So check that out. Uh, if you would like to support the work that I'm doing here today, you can buy me either a super chat or a super sticker with a little dollar sign in the YouTube chat. You can also go to buymeacoffee.com and buy me a coffee if uh, you, or a book. It's more so books for me. Um, I don't really drink a ton of coffee, although I do have my little mate tea today. So maybe it's buy me a mate. Um, and uh, that, that helps me to keep the lights on. It helps support the work that I do. It's the, those are the only two fundraising uh, avenues and apertures that I have right now for this channel. Um, so it really, really goes a long way to supporting the work I do. And I super appreciate those of you who are regular um, benefactors. Uh, so check that out. All right. So those are kind of the announcements today. So I'm going to check back in, maybe welcome a few more friends here. Laura Elizabeth is here, says hi Spencer from Vancouver, USA. Nice to see you, Laura. Hope everything's going well your way. Mr. Hindsight is here, says namaste from San Francisco and happy full moon. Yes, the moon is becoming full as we speak. It's, uh, it is uh, moving into Virgo later on in the day and we'll be getting to its fullest light and then we're going to be heading into uh, a void, of course, a Hellenistic void, of course, for the next few days until Tuesday. And then we have this big stack up in Pisces, this this uh, Sun, Mercury, Saturn stack up uh, where Mercury and Saturn are going what is called Kazemi in the same day, being renewed and reborn in the heart of the Sun. So it's exciting times. Uh, and we'll try to contextualize that as we go through as well. So couple big picture thoughts. Let's dive right into it. Um, this month, hmm, if I'm thinking about just the overarching theme, we're, we're getting prepared for the spring equinox, the sun's movement or ingress into Aries. And that is a really uh, important moment for new beginnings. 
We are also heading into eclipse season. We're heading into, with this particular month, we have a full moon lunar eclipse in Libra over the Aries-Libra axes. And then we have a big new moon solar eclipse in Aries in the beginning of April. So I really just see March as a, a preparatory phase for these new beginnings. And we might have to be patient through the process. This might not be the time to hit the go button on everything, but it's a really great time to get clear with your vision and to get clear with your why and to find the meaning behind what you're doing rather than necessarily having to do all of the physical things. Pisces is a great time for visioning. Um, I know that's something that is, in my opinion, a little bit overused in some of these astrological, I guess, new age circles. But Pisces season really is a great time for for dreaming and for trying to visualize what you want to bring into existence. And sometimes that requires us to be quiet, to be still, uh, to get in touch with our feelings, not just necessarily our thoughts. Uh, there's a big difference between how we feel and, and what we think. Um, sometimes we ignore a gut instinct uh, because our rational brain says that's not what it should be. And th this is a great time to trust those gut instincts. So those are kind of the overarching thematic qualities that we're going to be experiencing. So some of the, the other types of things that we're dealing with here. Um, let's talk about the lunations first. So lunations is a fancy word for new and full moons. Uh, we've got some big ones in this month. We have a, a last quarter moon on the 3rd of March at 13 degrees of Sagittarius. So we're going to be kind of seeing the square between the Pisces sun and the Sagittarius moon sort of a, a challenge between wanting to go learn through experience and to learn through our inner journeying, so outer versus inner journeying. And last quarter is always about releasing something from the old cycle to be able to get ready for the new cycle. And we have a new moon on March the 10th at 20 degrees of Pisces. So this is another beautiful time to get in touch with our vision and to get clear about what sacrifices are going to be necessary to be able to bring that vision into our physical reality. So that is March 10th, the new moon at 20 degrees of Pisces. The first quarter moon happens on the 17th, uh, St. Patrick's Day of March. So that's going to happen at 27 degrees of Gemini, squaring 27 degree Pisces sun. So this is where a point in the cycle where we are trying to manifest something. And we may have a lot of choices that we're working through. Third decan of Gemini really speaks to what types of choices that we have to make and realizing that we can't follow every single idea, we can't follow every single option, and that we have to sacrifice one of them to, to be able to breathe life into the, the, the most important one to us. So that's the 17th. And then we are setting up for our full moon lunar eclipse at 5 degrees of Libra on the 25th of March. So this is the beginning of eclipse season where we're going to be ending a previous cycle and getting ready for a really important new start. So we could be seeing the ending of, you know, it's sort of a reliance on partnership, a reliance on maybe asking permission uh, before we take action on our deepest personal desires and closing some loops where we may have, uh, you know, not really felt able to move under our own power because that new new moon solar eclipse coming up in April is, is in the second decan of Aries, which is really about stating your own royal decrees where you're saying, this is who I am and this is what I'm about and this is what I'm going to do. And it's not about asking permission. It's about saying, here, I'm here and let's do this. 
So first, sometimes we have to tie up those loose ends beforehand and, and release um, some of these emotionally or intellectually bonded relationships that aren't serving us anymore. And it doesn't have to be a personal relationship. It could be a business relationship. It could just be the idea that we can't necessarily move under our own power, that we don't have independence. Sometimes releasing those those faulty ideals or those those ideas that served us once at one point in our life, but then no longer serve us after that. Um, I say often on this channel that sometimes the right idea eventually becomes the wrong one and vice versa. Sometimes something that worked in the past is not the proper solution in the present. And sometimes something that we failed at in the past doesn't mean we can't re reinvigorate it in the, in the present and into the future. So those are our lunations that we're going to be going through. The ingresses that we're going to be experiencing over the course of March, we have Mercury moving into Aries. Uh, we're setting up for a Mercury retrograde in April, the very beginning of April. So we're going to see Mercury moving into its shadow this month, and I'll give you some dates on that in a minute. But Mercury's moving into Aries and out of its exile and fall from Pisces, which that's what we have right now with Mercury and Pisces. Is uh, It is not the place that Mercury is the most comfortable. It doesn't mean we can't do some interesting things with Mercury and Pisces, especially creatively, uh, especially with mythology and figurative language and our artistic expression. Um, but when we have Mercury moving into Aries, we may feel like we're waking up from a long, you know, swim underwater or for holding our breath underwater and communication may start to be a little bit clearer or more linear because we want to go directly towards our goal at that point rather than this circuitous motion that uh, we can compare to the journey of Odysseus trying to find his way home with Piscean placements. On the 11th of March, Venus is going to move into her exaltation in Pisces, which is exciting. I will say I'm going to temper the enthusiasm with that with some information that came to my awareness. Actually, today, as I was preparing some of my final notes for March, um, I, I follow a, a, an astrologer named Nina Griffin, who I have a lot of respect for, and she was pointing out that Venus is going to be uh, in what is called besiegement or malefic enclosure starting on the 29th of February and moving out of that malefic enclosure on the 22nd of March. So that's a, a, a technical term in a traditional astrology for when a planet is caught between either the, the rays or the bodies of Mars and Saturn, the two malefic planets. And it's a tough spot for a planet. Um, I do think that Venus being in her exaltation will help. Um, I, would, I would compare this to um, feeling like we're under attack and we're trying to hold our ground and then things might look bleak, but once Venus moves into Pisces, maybe Gandalf is coming over the, the, uh, <laughs> the hill, Gandalf the White with reinforcements, right? So we may have some tough, tough times while Venus is still in Aquarius and in that condition uh, from the 29th to the 11th. But then from the 11th to the 22nd, maybe things start to lighten up a little bit. And then once Venus makes that conjunction with Saturn, it's going to be out of that condition and there's probably going to be some movement. Now, I also was having some questions and reflections about whether Mercury, the Sun, and the Sun are also going to be within this condition 
Um, oftentimes in traditional astrology, a planet that is in between other planets or casting a ray in between is going to break up that malefic enclosure. But what happens when all of these planets are together uh, and being enclosed by Saturn and Venus or Saturn and, and Mars? Um, that's a good question. I don't have a, a great answer for it at this point, but something to reflect upon. Um, we may see this just just for a day between the 27th and 28th of February, if you're still listening to this in February. Um, and if you're listening to this in March, maybe reflect on what was going on in those couple days and if there was something very challenging that that kind of made you feel trapped with all of the different topics of your life with Mercury, the Sun, and Venus all being in between Mars and Saturn. Um, so if we go back to our ingresses here, we have the Sun moving into Aries on the 19th of March which is uh, also called the, the spring equinox or the Aries ingress. Oftentimes what astrologers will do, will take a look at the chart for a particular place or a particular country or capital that will um, give us an indication of what the fortunes would be for that particular place for the, the season ahead. So we can take a look at that a little bit as well. Um, again, major features of that include Venus being in that malefic enclosure, uh, maybe things having to do with um, feminine rights might be uh, challenged right now. We're seeing this in America with a lot of different laws that are starting to crop up and, and a lot of challenges going on with that. So there may be more of that to come. Uh, we're in a, an inflection point with, uh, with a lot of those social constructs. And since right now Saturn is under the beams and being renewed, we may have some of our structures that we've relied upon in the past starting to break down so that we can create new ones. Sometimes the structures were good, sometimes they weren't. Uh, so it, it's hard to say whether the new structures that are being created are going, we're going to like them or not. It just sometimes it depends on whatever uh, end of a political spectrum you may fall on. On the 22nd of March, we have the, the Mars ingress of uh, Mars into Pisces. So Mars is going to move out of Aquarius and into Pisces. Uh, so we'll, we'll take a look at that and break down that symbolism as well. Okay, so those are the ingresses for the month. We have solar phases as well. We have uh, uh, the solar phases are the, the planets relating to the sun, uh, either keep coming into conjunction with the sun going in or out of the beams of the sun, which were important for traditional astrologers. Uh, and we have a few planets emerging this month, which I think is pretty cool. Um, let's see. Uranus Ascending. Before we get into that, Uranus Ascending is asking, I don't suppose an angle can break up a malefic enclosure in natal, a natal chart. Um, I don't think so, because that's, that's not a point of light. It, it's a mathematical point. So from my understanding, and I could be wrong, um, it, it is just the, the seven traditional planets that would be able to break it up through an aspect in between those planets. And I'll, sh I'll show you all this when we get to the chart here in a second. Um, or it, if there's a, a ray that is being cast in between those two planets that are being enclosed. So um, it's, it is a challenging part of astrology. But it's not a deal breaker completely. Um, it's temporary is what I will say. I don't want to have everybody feeling like uber afraid of it. I think that 
the gift of astrology is that we can see when we might have some extra, where we may need some extra patience with ourselves and with others, and where we may feel a little bit frustrated. So Venus areas of our life, especially in the Pisces topic, the Taurus topic, and the Libra topic may feel a little stuck for a little while. Um, and we may have to surrender to a process and to a plan that's greater than our own, especially when Venus is in Pisces. So we'll break that down in more depth as we get there. But yeah, yeah, your understanding is, yeah, that's what I thought. Thanks. Yep. It's, uh, again, there's, you know, some of this we're trying to reconstruct from some very ancient sources. So there's probably some uh, room for debate, but that's the way I use it. Robin Nadira is here. It says, hi, Spencer. Robin here from Northern California. Excited to see what March has in store. Nice to see you, Robin. Hope you're doing well out there, my friend. Okay, let's start breaking down these solar phases. So on the 15th of March, Mercury is going to emerge as an evening star at 11 degrees of Aries. So this is a, a, an important moment of phasis, as Robert Schmidt would say. Uh, phasis just being a fancy word for an omen that speaks. So we're going to see Mercury delivering some very interesting messages around this period of time. Okay, so And they may be messages that we need to hear to be able to establish our own personal sovereignty. I think that's an important part of Mercury and Aries emerging from the beams is saying, what is necessary for us to establish independence? So keep an eye out for that on the 15th of March. The day after, Saturn is going to emerge as the morning star at 11 degrees of Pisces. So this is where, where Saturn has gone through the death and rebirth process. Uh, at the Kazemi moment, then February the 28th, it was renewed with a sense of purpose. And, and we're going to be kind of seeing the reconstruction of the new Saturnian blueprint between the 28th and then the 16th, where we have kind of the, almost the implementation of that new structure. Um, so this may be related to how we can turn a dream into reality, how we can bridge the gap between our imaginations and the lived life that we have, the, re the reality of our situation. So just keep an eye out for that. If you feel like things are sort of you know chaotic right now, uh, we probably should get a little bit uh, of an idea of the new structures that we're going to be working within and the new blueprint that we can create from after the 16th when Saturn emerges as a morning star. And this is the thing too, like Saturn prefers to be the morning star um, because it is of the, more, the day sect. Uh, when it is uh, in that position, it is sort of kind of given a, a bonification um, instead of being a, a star of the evening and being of the opposing sect. You know, when we have Saturn as an evening star, it doesn't function quite as well as it would uh, when it is rising before the sun. So that is, that's good news, potentially. And then finally, we have two other solar phases of note. On the 17th, the, the same day as our first quarter moon in Gemini, we have the sun making a conjunction to Neptune at 27 degrees of Pisces. Uh, so what I will say is that for those of you who celebrate St. Patrick's Day, I, I gave that up a long time ago. I'm not, not someone who, who really uh, partakes in that type of thing. Um, but if you do, be careful, I guess I will say. It could be very easy to overdo it. It could be very easy to uh, 
get involved in a situation that could be very challenging, especially because we might not know our limits with the sun coming together with, with Neptune and Pisces. We might also, if, if we're taking it out of that context, we may also just have some awarenesses of the sacrifices that we need to make to be able to move forward with our collective dream or with our, our personal dream. Um, that Deccan of Pisces, as we'll, we will discover when we talk about the new moon in Pisces, has a lot to do with sacrifice. It's a Mars-ruled Deccan, and we have to figure out how we can manage the wild swings of emotion that happen when we're pursuing a dream. Uh, sometimes we can go to the, the, the heights of hope and the depths of despair within that Deccan. So w- we may not be getting a, an undistorted view when we have the sun and Neptune coming together. So keep that in mind. Sometimes our reality may get a little bit distorted at that point. Um, so really important to kind of keep one foot on the ground during that period, if, in, in my personal opinion. Okay. So we are also going to be checking out here. Going to be checking out. Let's see. What are we checking out? We're going to check out out of bounds planets. Uh, this is another thing that is uh, I find very interesting about traditional astrology. Is there? They talk about um, planets that are moving outside the normal path of the sun, and sometimes we have Mercury or. Uh, Venus or Mars moving out of bounds, but most often over the course of a normal month, we have the moon moving out of bounds uh, between two and three times a month generally. And it's usually a a three to five day period where we may be feeling a little bit tired. We may be feeling extra emotional. We may be feeling nostalgic. We may be having extra dreams or memories or something of that nature. Um, But I like to, to mark those times in the month so that we can understand that maybe what we're feeling in those moments isn't as intense as it would normally be if that condition wasn't present. So we have the moon out of bounds from March 2nd to March 7th. We have the moon out of bounds from March 14th to March 20th. And then again, finally, from March 29th all the way to April 3rd. So mark those on your calendar and give yourself some extra self-care around that period of time. Take care of your body. Try not to push yourself too far. Uh, physically or emotionally, and um, it should you should be able to survive those periods uh, uh, with more grace. Okay, all right. So we've talked a little bit about that Venus and malefic enclosure. I do think that's a big part of this month. Um, again, that's going to be happening from the 29th. I'm going to bring my screen up here just so we can kind of see this uh, in context before we dive into the the day to day. I want to just show you when that's starting, and what it's all about. So here is the chart of the, of the moment here. And um, what we're looking at is, and I will go back to the date. I think if we go back to the, like the 28th or so, it's going to start around that period of time. Um, you can see here that we have Mars and Venus traveling together. And we have Saturn on the other side here, okay, enclosing Venus, Mercury, and the Sun. Now, what is very interesting to me is once we get past this day right here and go into the 29th, we have both the Sun and Mercury going outside of that boundary that Saturn has created between Mars and itself. 
and that that leaves just Venus enclosed by those two malefic planets. And that is a, a bodily enclosure. Now, before this time frame, okay, if you look back, I think this is really important. If you look back a few days, okay, you can see here that Jupiter was providing a breakup to that enclosure by casting its ray in between Mars and Venus, okay? So, Jupiter was helping to break up that enclosure all the way up until we have the, um, the movement of the Sun and Mercury past Saturn at the Kazemi moment. So, this is actually kind of cool too because I think I just basically answered my own question too. I think Jupiter is going to be breaking up that malefic enclosure for Venus, Mercury, and the Sun uh, prior to that February 29th. So it's good to be able to kind of just talk it through sometimes. But that being said, once we get past that moment, here, now we're, we don't have that support from Jupiter anymore because Mars is past that point, okay? And that sets us up all the way, this, this movement all the way, okay, until, okay, you can see that the, it's getting tighter and tighter, right? And then we have Venus conjoining Saturn and moving out of that condition right here. See how it's not enclosed anymore? So that's a pretty important day, in my opinion, um, the 22nd of March, where Venus will finally be able to escape that pressure. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, Venus can often be associated with, with the feminine principle, women's rights, things of that nature. Um, I've been seeing in the news that there's been challenges to reproductive rights in places like Alabama in the United States and Texas, and uh, people are moving their frozen embryos out of storage because Alabama uh, determined that a frozen embryo had personhood, and that's challenging a lot of um, female reproductive right uh, movements and things of that nature. So there may be a, a real challenge uh, to to the feminine principle and the ability to move under um, move under your own power. Now, like I said, that's it's temporary. So we might get really frustrated. We, we of course, when Venus is in the final degrees, of Aquarius. So this is where Venus is probably going to feel its its most pained, okay, when it's in this area of Aquarius. Um, that Deccan is normally associated with revisiting something and feeling frustration, but enough frustration to unravel an old karmic knot. So maybe this we're, we're going to be revisiting some of these issues so that we can eventually unravel it and move forward. That's my hope anyway. I mean, I, I hope that Venus moving into Pisces and moving out of that enclosure is going to be good news for for people that are feeling the strain of this this astrological configuration and the events that it will bring to our awareness. Um, but again, sometimes the first step in making change is feeling and visiting the frustrations that we experience. Oftentimes we don't make changes that we need to make 
until we really feel the pressure to do so. And this might be one of those moments. So if we can view it in that regard and in that, through that lens, we can see that this is all part of a bigger cycle. This is all part of a bigger set of changes that are hopefully needing to take place uh, within our societies and our cultures and in our personal lives. So I hope that helps explain the malefic enclosure. And again, shout out to Nina Griffin, who has a really great newsletter with astrological elections that I uh, am subscribed to. Um, I want to. Oh, you always want to shout out your sources, especially if if an, another astrologer brings something to your attention that you might have missed. And uh, I, I want to really make sure that I acknowledge um, that source here today. Okay, so that is our malefic enclosure. Now. Let's take a look at the decans of Pisces that we're going to be experiencing uh, over the course of March. So here we're going to discuss the Sun in Pisces 2, which we are going to be seeing from February the 28th all the way until March the 9th. I like to de describe the, theme, the themes present in uh, the solar decans. Because the sun gives us a focus point. It gives us a big spotlight on the types of themes that we may experience collectively that is being shown a light on in our, in our collective and our personal lives. So understanding the, the nature and the tenor of that particular canvas that all the rest of these uh, planetary influences are going to be painted on is very important. So Pisces 2, you see the Nine of Cups, and you see a figure who is feeling, looks, looking very self-satisfied. Uh, this, I believe, the history of this card relates to a figure, if I can pull it from the recesses of my brain, I believe his name is Falstaff. Um, it was a, a figure from a, a, a Shakespearean play, question mark, who was kind of a smug figure who, who really was able to uh, just basically... He, he had a lot of resources, and he was not shy about uh, almost having this kind of gluttonous experience around it. Uh, he, was, he was very sure of himself, cocksure, I guess. And there's a warning in this second about overconfidence. Uh, that's the, kind of the negative side of it. Um, there are themes and stories related to sorcerers, apprentices like Dolus, is spoken about in Austin Coppock's book about the Deccans. Um, we also can see the myth of Phaethon come in in this Deccan because of its association with a fixed star called a, Ch a Churnar um, at 15 degrees of Pisces, which is uh, uh, related to the story of the um, a, a youth that was trying to uh, have his parentage proven to him by Helios, the sun god. Uh, Helios was like, you are of divine parentage. And, you know, Phaethon was like, prove it. Let me do uh, whatever I want. <laughs> like He's like, yes, I'll grant you any wish. And he's like, you see that chariot over there? You see, I want the keys to the car, Dad. And I want to take that Ferrari that you've got that is pulling the sun across the sky, you know, with all the horses. And maybe it's a Mustang, right? <laughs> like, I want to drive that thing. And, and Helios is like, son, anything but that. You're not ready. You don't have your license. You don't even have your learner's permit. And, uh, it, you know, but since Helios was like, well, I want you to know that I'm your dad and that you're of divine origin, he let him do it. And he 
basically almost destroyed the entire world through his uh, inability to control uh, a power that he wasn't ready for. And eventually Zeus had to, to hit him with a lightning bolt and be like, nope, you're done. Sorry. Like, uh, he, he's basically was run off the road by the, the divine, uh, you know, police, I guess. And he, he ended up falling from the chariot and um, drowning in the river of the Eurydanus, which is uh, the constellation that a churnar at 15 degrees of Pisces is a part of. So uh, we have to be really careful about doing something that we're not ready for. You know what is fascinating about this as I meditate on this a little bit more? Pisces is sort of a transition period. Well, it is a transition period from the winter to the spring. We're preparing for that big unfolding, that, that big new start at the spring equinox. But if we try to launch something or if we try to push the river before we're ready, like during Pisces season, we may have a false start and, and the start that we may desire may fail. So this, I, I also can compare this to us gardeners who get really excited about planting, especially here in the Midwest, Michigan, you know, some days in February and early March, it's like 60 degrees. And you're like, I better get out there and plant my garden. And then you've planted everything and then you get a freeze, okay? You, sometimes you get a freeze all the way into like late April, early May. And <laughs> the, all the hard work that you've done is for naught because it, it's destroyed with the freeze. So, so this could be a warning to us not to get overly enthusiastic. That being said, this decan, the good parts about this decan is related to, it's a Jupiter decan. So being able to unify our vision with the reality that we want to, to enact when the spring equinox does come is important. So this, it's great for planning. It's great for visioning. It's great for dreaming. Um, just be patient about the doing. Okay. Uh, Tracy says, Henry V, I think regarding Falstaff, he was a mentor for the young prince, but then completely overdid it with wine, women, and song. Ooh, good, Tracy. That's a good, good contextualization. Yes, that's the play that we're talking about, Henry V. Um, so yes, be, being very careful with, with substances around this period of time could be great too. Uh, we've got a comment here from Suver Tendel. Um, asking about when I will meet my life partner and with the birth data here. Uh, so, so Raj, um, Raj, uh, Raj Van Santel Tendel. Um, today we're going to be going and talking about kind of the astrology of the, of the month. So we're not going to be doing personal, uh, chart reading today, but, um, we do have Q and A sessions where I do take people's birth data and look at their individual charts. So check that out. That's going to be coming in a few weeks. So if you if you if you can be patient for a week or two um, and keep coming, uh, I really appreciate that you're here today. I will be able to answer personal questions, or you can reach out for a reading at my website, spencermichaud.com. Okay. So some questions to ask yourself during Pisces too, uh, so, or some theme. Let's do the themes first. Okay. Uh, harmonizing inner and outer reality. Remember, Jupiter is, is a good bridge. It's a good uh, unifier. It brings things together. Uh, much like Venus, it's, it's bringing things together through the power of our beliefs. 
Uh, the power of intention and wishful thinking. Oftentimes, people who study the tarot think of this card as the card of wishes fulfilled. And that can be true. This is a great time to make the wish and then allow the universe to support you within that wish. Oftentimes, we make a wish and then we try to force it into existence. I don't think that that's always how it works. Sometimes we have to make the wish, allow the universe to restructure some things, and then do what is being shown to us is the next step. Um, so manifestation work in that regard, it requires a lot of patience, I think. Uh, this is related to the Kabbalistic um, Sephira Yesod in Bria, uh, which is about shaping your reality before manifestation. Uh, Yesod is a, is a kind of a birth channel related to the, the moon. So this is the time where you're dreaming before being able to bring something into manifestation. So getting clear with your vision. Okay, so dissolving boundaries between worlds and dimensions, okay, getting clear about your vision, flowing with the Tao, uh, it, it also is a deck that's related to Indra's net and the interconnectedness. Austin Cobbett calls it the net, and that's the, what he's referring to in his book. We also have themes that we just talked about, about naive optimism and overestimating abilities, so we want to be careful of that. Uh, so, questions to ask yourself. What visions are you trying to manifest? How can you close the gap between dream and its form? Can you make a wish and then release the how? That's super important, especially as we move into the full moon in Virgo here. Is oftentimes Virgo is associated in, with the, the how, the process. But Pisces asks us to get in touch with the why, the vision, right? So this is a, it's an important visioning time, okay? Uh, what, where would faith help you flow with the currents of your life? And what compromises are necessary to find acceptance and satisfaction? And can you align with fate to prosper? Okay, so we are going to be dealing with uh, trying to surrender to our experience on this level. So be very careful about getting super attached to a physical process, to the details of your situation. Uh, as a Virgo stellium myself, sometimes I get fixated on how I'm going to do something, and I really have to figure out how to um, get in touch with the why and be say, say okay, that, that could be a method for achieving a dream, but if I don't have the right dream and if I'm not connected with the right vision, it's just not going to work. The process isn't going to work. When you're, when you're tunneling in a direction that you're unsure of, your motions aren't going to be as efficient or as effective as they possibly could be. So these are things that I would, I would encourage you to come into alignment with during Pisces 2 season. Okay, so that's Pisces 2. Now, what we should do next is take a look at the chart for Pisces 2. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up the chart and we are going to go back to March 1st and we are going to be taking a look at the aspects that are going to be coming to fruition during these periods of time. So again, just to review, we've got Venus that's going to be kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, okay, with, with 
being in that malefic enclosure between Mars and Saturn. So we have to be aware that that's part of our our story, potentially. Uh, We also are going to be starting off the month with a waning moon, you know, getting very close to the last quarter moon. But the first aspect of the month is the sun making a sextile to Jupiter. So that's kind of a nice aspect here. You could see from 11 degrees Pisces to 11 degrees of Taurus, where our vision may be aligning with the, the, the new rhythms and resources that we need to pull together to bring that vision into reality. Uh, Jupiter in Taurus, too, is encouraging us to, um, to find a new healthy rhythm that can bring us into alignment with that vision that we want to manifest on the physical plane. Uh, so this is a great time to just shine a light, the sun, on what you need to do day to day to bring something into reality. Uh, I have the moon in the deck, this decan of Taurus, and often what I find is necessary for me to succeed is to have a healthy routine, to have uh, an exercise routine in the morning, to to make my breakfast, to get get to sleep on time. To I have to be organized in that regard, and I have to do just the right amount for that day. If I try to do too much, I'll exhaust myself. If I don't do enough, I won't be moving forward. So it's, it's right. It's about watering the, the situations in your life, just the right amount. Like you would water a house plant. You don't want to overwater it. You don't want to, you don't want to underwater it. So that's our first aspect of the month. Uh, We are going to move forward now. And we see that from March 2nd, all the way to March 7th, we are going to have the moon moving out of bounds. So this is the moon uh, hanging out in Scorpio, moving through Sagittarius, where we have that out of bounds moon that I was um, talking about at the beginning of the show, where we might be feeling a little bit uh, burnt out. We may be feeling a little bit emotional. We may be feeling like our dreams are really intense during that period of time. The moon is not functioning how it would normally function in relationship to social expectation. So just something to be aware of, not something to like, you know, plan your entire life around, but it's a nice little piece that can give you some context if you're feeling a little bit out of sorts. When we get to the 3rd of March, we are going to have a couple of important aspects, uh, really the kind of the, one of the bigger themes of the beginning of the month. So what we'll do is we will take a look at uh, both Venus hanging out in the malefic enclosure. It's going to be squaring Uranus. So there's our square between Venus and Uranus. Okay. And we are also seeing this in the context of our last quarter moon. So let's look at this last quarter moon here. So here's our moon squaring the sun. Okay. So those are the two aspects that we're seeing coming together on March the 3rd. So let's think about those together and how they may be reflective of one another. Uh, Venus squaring Uranus. And we're going to see this aspect repeated when we have Mars squaring Uranus shortly after. Okay, so this is going to be on the 3rd. The Mars square to Uranus is going to be on March the 9th. 
So Venus squaring Uranus. This may bring about some unexpected challenges uh, in relationships. All of the the things that we were speaking towards earlier in the show around uh, female empowerment, um, about moving from one shore to another, Venus is going to be transiting through the Deccan related to the Six of Swords, where we see uh, a mother and a child being ferried from one shore to another. Oftentimes we see situations regarding refugees uh, with this particular placement uh, or this Deccan. So we may have some challenges to ferrying a, a, either an individual or a group of people from one shore to another. And of course, we have some of the situations right now in the Middle East where a lot of us are paying close attention to what's going to be happening to people who've been displaced from their home. Um, this may be a, another moment, an inflection point in that situation. Um, Uranus in Taurus brings us a, uh, a disruption of sorts, some kind of shock, some kind of challenging situation that disrupts our regular routines. So we have Venus squaring Uranus, uh, where we're trying to harmonize movement from one shore to another, but we're seeing a, a disruption in that movement potentially on the third. So if we think about just this in our personal lives, Venus and in, in Uranus, uh, Venus coming together with Uranus, sometimes speaks to a, a restlessness, a desire for emotional independence. Uh, we might want to move on from a relationship. And, and if we're feeling stuck, all right, we, this may be a moment where we're just like, I can't take it anymore. We're, we, we're kind of feeling the, the lightning bolt of awareness that helps us to move forward, which is, is understandable as we're getting closer to an eclipse where we are reducing our dependence on another party for either permission, for resources, for ideas, and moving towards a sense of personal sovereignty and independence. So this could be one of those beginning moments. Um, and we are also seeing this in context of the last quarter moon, which the last quarter moon is a point where we have sort of an existential crisis. Uh, the first quarter moon, it might be a, a material crisis where we're trying to bring something into manifestation. Um, but when we have the moon squaring the sun, we're going to be dealing with a, a challenge of uh, the inner versus the outer, learning from experience versus journeying within the mind. Uh, that Deccan related to Sagittarius is moon ruled, so the moon will have some dignity there. But the, the moon uh, waning in that Deccan, often that Deccan is all about unifying body and spirit towards a specific goal. And when it's waxing, we may be un trying to understand what is necessary to move us towards the goal. What habits, what, what types of things do need to be brought together. When the moon's waning in that decade, we may be removing obstacles. We may be even changing our mind about what our specific unified goal is. You know, if you think about Pisces as a dissolving type of energy, we may be dissolving an old goal so that we can find out what our new goals are. Um, so we're either removing distractions or we're potentially shifting what our actual goals are. And it could be a little bit unexpected. We may, our desires may surprise ourselves and others. So when, when we get those surprises from the universe, 
um, sometimes it's important to take a moment to sit back and relax and say, is this a passing fancy? Or is this a really important uh, moment to be able to break free from something that wasn't supporting me in the past? So that's the third and the last quarter moon and Venus squaring Uranus. If we move forward, we move forward to the fourth. Okay, we have uh, a couple aspects of perfecting, a couple sextiles, um, nothing, nothing super serious on the, on the fourth. But we are going to see Mercury uh, making a sextile to Uranus. So there's Mercury. And this is really just kind of a, uh, I would say that this is a point in time where we are going to be surrendering to our vision. And I know that that sounds ambiguous, but this is the language that Mercury and Pisces is trying to speak through. Um, we may have some unexpected ideas. Uh, we should be careful of those ideas. Some of them may be realistic. Some of them might be like uh, Dolus or Phaethon, where it's an idea that is, is unexpected and could lead to some disruptions, although it is a sextile, a harmonious sextile. So I don't think it's, it's necessarily as disruptive as it could be if it was a square or in opposition to Uranus. But just be careful of new ideas that come up at this point, especially if they're out of the blue. Uh, I would recommend taking your time and, and trying not to uh, get yourself in trouble by, by pursuing an idea before it's ripe, if that makes sense. Okay. The other thing that's going on is Mars is going to be uh, having a, a sextile Oops, I keep getting the wrong, the wrong tool here. Bear with me. I want a circle. So here is Mars sextiling the North Node in Aries. This isn't a huge, you know, major aspect, but I do think that when, if we track the movement of planets in their relationship to the nodes, the nodes are very much related to faded experiences, in my opinion. Um, and, and when we see a planet at the bending of the nodes, when it's squaring the nodes, we have a, a, a turning point, um, a point of, you know, conflict, where we can move towards one particular thing in our life and away from something else. When we have a planet that it, when it's trining or sextiling the nodes, we might start to see some of the results of that in a positive way, right? So like in this case, we may be, Mars is at 15 degrees of Aquarius. We may be seeing some of the, the positive effects of moving towards independence because we're trying to transition from one shore to another. And when Mars was at the bending of the nodes, when it was in Capricorn, we were making plans to move away from dependence or codependence and move towards personal sovereignty. So this could be one of the moments of transition. So keep that in mind for uh, February, uh, March the 4th. Okay, let's keep going. We're just rolling today. We're going to roll through this. So if we go to March the 8th, um, now we're getting into the, the period of time where we have Mercury hanging out with Neptune. So let's make that blue. It looks like a Mercury-Neptune color. And then... As we move into the ninth, 
Mars is going to be perfecting the square to Uranus, okay? So these two things are happening fairly simultaneously, okay? We've got the Mercury-Neptune conjunction first. Okay, that's going to happen on the 8th at 27 degrees of Pisces. Uh, and then we're going to be having Mars square Uranus on the 9th at the same degree that, that Venus squared it at 19 degrees. So this is, a, uh, I think, a moment where we are asking questions. Mercury is a planet that, that likes to ask questions. It casts things into doubt, right? It is the, the, the cross-examiner of the witness. Um, and it, it destabilizes. This is a, a key word that Schmidt uses. Robert Schmidt of Project Hindsight says, Mercury destabilizes a situation. So when we're asking questions, we have, and we can also kind of layer this with our dec decanic knowledge. So we have Mercury in its exile, in its fall, very close to its maximum degree of like of Venus's maximum degree of exaltation, but like Venus, Mercury is in a place that it is very unhappy. Now, there's different opinions about where Mercury's maximum degree of exaltation is. A lot of people call it 15 degrees of Virgo, so in that case, it wouldn't be its max degree of fall, which would probably be 15 degrees of Pisces. But neither here nor there, we have Mercury in a place that is very Venusian. And Mercury and Venus aren't necessarily friends, quote-unquote, in the Zodiac. Um, Venus likes to harmonize and bring things together, whereas Mercury likes to cast things into doubt and separate them into, into categories. So Mercury is, is not going to be super effective at what it normally would like to do. And that, that confusion is going to be added to by Neptune being in the, in the conversation. Neptune is a planet that can cast uh, cast us into illusions. It can dissolve things. I, it is a planet that, um, if we go back to Project Hindsight, I'm leaning very heavily on Schmidt today, but he has really great ways of describing these outer planets. He would compare Neptune to a transcendental moon, which in hermetic philosophy, he would compare to the one thing or universal substance. Uranus, in his opinion, is the one mind. So, like consciousness itself, and Neptune is the the material that is we build by infusing consciousness into a material. And when we have Neptune conjoining planets, it it sort of dissolves the energy of that planet back into universal substance. Which, you know, this is where we get that theme of wanting to return to source with Neptune, which maybe can feel like a blissful experience. For those of us like myself who have Virgo stelliums, uh, <laughs> it's not a comfortable thing. When you like to cast things into order and categories and like structure things, like that energy is frustrating. So it, it's all a matter of perspective, but this might not be the best time to make a clear, rational decision. It could be a time to make a decision based on your, on your gut, based on your intuition, um, you know, there could be something, a communication that really uh, casts things into doubt and dissolves your, your understanding of what you thought was true. 
but I don't know if you should completely reconstruct your life around it, um, because we might not be seeing or thinking clearly with that combination of placements. Now, when we move forward to the to the ninth, okay, move forward to the ninth. That's when we see that Mars and Uranus conjunction coming together. And this is another very powerful aspect for the month where we may be trying to, to take action, Mars, the, how we use these keywords together, towards moving on from moving from one shore to another, the language of the Deccans, Aquarius 2. But it is that moving on energy is meeting some kind of unexpected resistance. Um, maybe there is a physical barrier to moving forward. Uh, maybe there is a conflict between our idealism. You know, Mars in, in Aquarius is goes to war uh, based on its intellectual idealism. And maybe we're ha seeing some intellectual battles being fought over material resources and 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 or the lack of them uh, with Uranus and Taurus or challenges to our our daily habits and rhythms and routines. Um, Mars Uranus is one that I don't shy away from when I see that transit. I always, my, the way I deal with those transits is I, I make sure that I practice extra patience, practice extra self-care. I make sure I get enough sleep and that I've, you know, fed myself properly. I slow down. Mars Uranus is a, is a great transit for having an accident from moving too fast. So if you know that this is coming, if you know that you have specific triggers, maybe a planet around one of these two planets, um, recognize that if we pop off like about a belief and an intellectual ideal that shapes society, that could lead us further into conflict that we might not be ready for. So a conflict based on an intellectual organization of society you could you might expect with this and we have plenty of those going on right now and it's it's frustrating and and demoralizing um but also sometimes those conflicts are necessary to move us towards the next iteration of a of a social agreement um when we are come into alignment with the need for change uh it can it can help us to understand that to, to eliminate the old order that isn't serving us or the community, sometimes we have to get frustrated and upset about things. That doesn't mean that we have to be violent. It just means that sometimes we have to live with that uncomfortableness so that we can feel the, the, the positive pressure to make changes in our world. So that is March the 9th. You can also see on this day, uh, we are going to be experiencing um, the sun trying to help out, okay? Trying to help us out from Pisces, making a sextile in here. So yes, Mars is going to be squaring Uranus, but the sun's going to be sextiling Uranus. So this could be a great time to get clear about what our vision is. Right? Remember, we have to think about how to, to bridge our idealized emotional dream with our lived reality. 
And if we get too fixated in the brain part, in the rational part of it, and we lose sight of the meaning part of it, the, in, the intuition part of it, the, the emotional truth, that's when we're going to get into those conflicts. So I would say connect with your emotional uh, truth at this point to get you through what could be a difficult intellectual battle. Okay. Finally, on March 9th, we are seeing Mercury moving into Aries. So if you just go forward a few hours in this day, we're going to have all of those aspects perfecting. And then Mercury heads into the sign of Mars. Okay. Very late at night. So it's going to happen at the end of this day and probably into the 10th here. Yeah. So right, right into the early hours of the 10th. So to me, that is a, uh, an improvement for Mercury's dignity. Doesn't mean that every issue that we have with mercurial issues is going to be solved. Oftentimes it'll mean that um, we're getting really fired up about something and, and we're saying, you know, this, this issue was confusing in the past, but now we know what we don't want, right? Um, Mercury in the first 10 degrees of Aries says, this is not me and I reject this. So we could see people getting a lot more vocal about what they are rejecting, especially with Mercury coming into a sextile with, with Pluto. Okay, so let's take a break here at this point. And what we're going to do is we are going to stretch out, stretch break, and uh, take this opportunity. Do me a huge favor. Please hit the like button if you're still here today. Please subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, if you would like to make a donation to the work that I'm doing here today, you can hit that little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super sticker or a super chat. It goes a huge way into supporting the work that I do. You can also buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. I, of course, am available for personal readings at my website, spencermichaud.com. You can also sign up for tutoring and or class offerings. You can also find a number of webinars that I teach about the decans, about the, the marriage of astrology and the tarot, and various other topics. Okay. Like and subscribe. How y'all doing out there? Everybody doing out there? Do, doing okay out there? I apologize that I couldn't get to all of the personal questions today. Uh, we're, we just have a lot of ground to cover with um, the astrology of the month. And if we take too many diversions for personal questions, I, I'm happy to answer technical questions about an astrological technique, but I just don't have time to answer personal questions when we do, um, when we do the monthly forecast. I, I of course, do a, uh, a, an examination of the new and the full moons, and I take it through the rising signs. And in that case, sometimes I'm able to personalize it a little bit more. But again, just in the interest of time, like mine and yours, uh, you know, we're going to have to streamline this a little bit today. But let me know how, you, how you're doing out there. Okay, let's keep going. Get a drink of water, get a snack. And let's move forward into Sun in Pisces 3. So we're going to move into this period of time.
and we'll bring the chat or the bring the chart, excuse me, bring the chart back up. Uh, actually, what we'll do first is we will take a look at Pisces 3 and the Deccans webinar. So this is the sun shining a big spotlight on the third Deccan of Pisces. It's a Mars ruled Deccan where we're moving from a Jupiter ruled Deccan to a Mars ruled Deccan. Uh, Book T calls it the Lord of Satiety. Uh, Book Toth, the Lord of Perfected Success. And Austin Kopic has a provocative name for it called the Cup of Blood, which a lot of that revolves around what sacrifices are necessary for you to be able to bring this very idealized vision that we see in the Ten of Cups into our personal reality and lived life. Um, sometimes when we get too focused on perfection, we can that can lead to disappointment. This is one of the things we see with the wild swings of emotion in Pisces 3 is because we have a vision of this beautiful, idyllic, rainbow, countryside scene, when our lived reality doesn't match with that, um, we can get sad, we can get depressed, we can uh, feel ho hopeless. And that's another thing just to keep in mind about Pisces 2 is a lot of the times in Pisces 2, the way to navigate that deck in is, is to feel okay with what you have rather than to always feel like we're lacking. You know, there is a, a beauty to feeling a sense of satisfaction and allowing yourself to, to just be rather than always having to pursue something into the future, having to pursue more or self-improvement. I'm a big fan of self-improvement, but there is a point where we just have to say, I'm good enough and today I'm, uh, I've done enough. Okay, so keep that in mind. So hope and despair is a, is a good way of thinking of this Deccan. We have a, a, a daimon or spirit in this Deccan called Elpis, which roughly translates to hope. And we have a story in this Deccan about the, uh, the, the jar of Pandora, Pandora's box, right? Where, where to punish humanity for stealing fire, Zeus unleashed this, uh, this Pandora and her jar and her box onto humanity, which had all of the, the ills that humanity would uh, experience, death, old age, war, loss, experience, all of those, etc. But on the very lip of the jar, there was, there was hope. And, and this is a really important thing to keep in mind in Pisces 3 is we could come to the, the very brink of despair because our lived reality does not match with this vision. But we have to be able to have hope and faith that, that by living into our answer and doing what is necessary to bring it into reality, that hopefully we'll get closer to it. We might not get all the way there because the nature of physical reality is one that it's never going to be perfect, right? There, there is just inherent in physical reality, there are flaws. And sometimes those flaws aren't something to, to bemoan. Sometimes that's what makes life beautiful. You know, that, that concept of wabi-sabi in Japanese art allowing nature to finish the last 10% of an artistic creation. Th those are the, sometimes what we see as a flaw, like an, an unfinished piece, is actually the, the thing that makes it uh, the most beautiful. So, themes in Pisces 3, idealistic crusades. Remember, it's a Mars Deccan. This, we could be pursuing our dream at all costs and say, this, we're going to sacrifice everything. So, the re religious zealotry is, can be associated with this too. Sacrificing everything for your vision. 
emotional heights of agony and ecstasy. I think it's really important not to get too uh, swayed in one way or the other. Try to find the middle path in this Deccan. Uh, Malkuth in Bria. So Malkuth is this the manifestation uh, Sephira in the Kabbalistic tree. So the manifestation of a dream. Sometimes we can see the dream starting to, to coalesce. Uh, pursuit of closure and the end of the rainbow. Uh, there are various points on the zodiac where we can see as beginnings and endings. But this is one where we see the ending of winter and the beginning of spring, which it, we really see kind of the end of an old cycle and season and, and the very new sprouts of new life beginning to emerge. And then, of course, religious zealotry and fanaticism. Uh, it's important not to try to pursue our dream no matter the cost. Or, alternatively, we have to figure out which things are worth uh, our sacrifice. Sometimes there are things worth fighting for, but you don't want to make a sacrifice for something that is unworthy of that sacrifice. And I've talked to a lot of people that have placements in this decade where oftentimes they become martyrs to causes that just weren't weren't really deserving of the type of uh, self flagellation that they wanted to experience. So questions you can ask yourself. Uh, is this ideal worth sacrificing for? It's, it is a belief that you want to sacrifice for. Okay, How far are you willing to go to succeed? Which role are you playing, martyr or savior? Uh, can you temper the wild swings of emotion? And is this happy, a happy ending or a tragic conclusion? Not, a, not all endings are happy. Okay, this is just part of the reality. We we have challenges with like you know, like things like Hollywood trying to show us a happy ending at all time. But that's not always how life works. Sometimes there's really tragic things and, and we have to come to terms with that and accept the trauma that comes with it and heal from that. And then finally, can you maintain hope in the face of change? Remember, Pisces is a mutable water sign. It, it water is a solvent. Water is dissolving the the last vestiges of boundary from the two Saturnian signs, Capricorn and Aquarius. So we are dissolving those harsh parts of winter to create new life and to create change. So Pisces season is one of flux, and we are going to be cast about like like you know, like a piece of driftwood on an ocean wave. And sometimes we just have to ride the wave, right? But we try to keep, maintain our buoyancy, okay? Like, like, if we don't want to sink, we have to stay light. We have to stay lighthearted and hopeful. All right, so let's take a look at this astrology. So here we're into the point where we are dealing with the section of time from the final moments of the 9th into, uh, until we get into Aries season on the 19th. So we start off the Pisces 3 experience with a new moon. So here's the new moon on March 10th. Here's the exact moment of it in my location. And there's a couple things to really keep in mind. And I will do an entire live stream on the new moon in Pisces coming up shortly in a week or two. Um, so this could be the birth of our idyllic vision, right? This could be the birth of a new cycle that could lead us on some wild emotional swings. 
Uh, this could be the birth of a something that we are willing to do anything to achieve. And sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes it's not. So you're going to have to determine whether that is something that is working for you or isn't, right? Um, so in this regard, uh, take your time. Realize that Saturn is a part of this discussion. You have to be real about your dream, okay? You have to be realistic about what is possible and what isn't. Keep in mind also that the host of this lunation is Jupiter in Taurus, and it's sextiling, okay? It's sextiling this this particular uh, new moon. We also have Uranus in the equation, sextiling the new moon, okay? Remember we had a a Uranus uh, square to the Aquarius new moon not that long ago, but this is a, a little bit more harmonious. Um, I think that the, the only real challenge in this new moon that I see is Venus is still within that malefic enclosure. We, we have Mars coming off of the square to Uranus, which could be a, a shocking situation. Venus is still being enclosed, oppressed, whatever, however you want to look at it. Relationships still could be challenging. But this is the moment where we say, what, what is the seed of our dream? Okay. What is Jupiter asking us for or providing for us in this new moon? It is everything we talked about with Taurus 2. Jupiter, in, in my, the way that I see Jupiter, is because it is of the day sect, it is a planet that asks us to create honor and merit and peace and harmony through our conscious actions, through teaching, through peacemaking. That's a secret signification of Jupiter. Jupiter is a peacemaker, okay? Jupiter is a liberator, all right? Ju Jupiter, a.k.a. Zeus, liberated his siblings from the oppressi oppressive nature of Kronos and Saturn, and Saturn a.k.a. Kronos, swallowed Jupiter's or Zeus's um, siblings and kept them contained so that they wouldn't, he wouldn't be usurped. There was a prophecy that said Kronos was going to be usurped by one of his children, so he swallowed them so that he wouldn't, you know, be overthrown. And really, when we see Jupiter and Saturn cycles, we see the old order, Saturn, and the new upstart, Jupiter, duking it out. So this is, what are the actions that we can take towards liberation, towards creating peace? And in Taurus 2, it is all about healthy rhythms. There is a daimon in that decan called the Horai, which is related to the seasons. And it teaches us that there is a time and a season for everything. There is an amount of um, actions that we can take that will be productive, and then we have to rest. And then we have to let nature take the, the, the last portion of it. We have to surrender to the process. Any good gardener or farmer will tell you that there is a lot of hard work involved, but there's also a lot of patience and surrendering and humility in the face of nature. And that's really what Jupiter is speaking towards here too, is to be able to achieve the dream. You can't force it. 
you have to have patience, but you also need to have consistency in your work life. This is so important. A lot of times when we get excited about a dream, we, we, we really try to force the issue. We burn ourselves out. We just, I've done this in the past. This has been a huge life lesson for me with the moon and this decan of Taurus is that I would often get very excited about something new and I would just couldn't think about anything else. I just threw myself into it, dived into it completely. And then I'd get burnt out and I wouldn't be able to finish something. And what I've had to learn to do for, to create success is I show up and I do what is necessary for the day. I practice my self-care. I take care of my body. I do the work necessary and then I rest and maybe play a little bit. This is something my partner Tanya and I have been talking a lot about recently. We've, we've started playing tabletop uh, board games uh, because we realized that we were just grinding and working and, and then just at the end of the day we were so tired, all that we could do was just sit in front of the TV and, and passively consume television. And it's been so nice connecting through play and communicating. We're playing a cooperative game. It's called Eon's End. And it's a cooperative game where you're teaming up to, to defeat the adversary or to, to achieve the objective. And it's a, it's a really nice way of being able to, to balance out some of the more intense things in our life and, and realize that through just connecting and communicating and being peaceful, what we're actually doing is we're giving our, our anxiety a, a break to be able to allow some of the things in our life to shift. Do you see what I'm saying? Oftentimes we block the movement and manifestation towards our dreams because we're just tr pushing too hard. Sometimes you just have to let things happen and, and knowing when to play and when to work are super important. Now you can overdo either one. You can overwork and then burn yourself out or you can overplay and not be doing the work that needs to be done to get you closer to your dream. So again, it's about balance. So I think that there's a, a healthy balance to that Deccan and to this new moon as well. Okay, so that is the new moon on the 10th. One other thing to keep in mind with uh, any lunation is Hellenistic astrologers would look at the first aspect that the moon would make. Um, and yeah, Rachel says, I love that Tanya and I are, Tanya and you are doing that. What a great idea. Yes, Rachel, it's, it's fun. I'm, if anyone has uh, tabletop board games or like role-playing games that they love, put them in the chat. I, I'm, I think I'm really getting into just gaming in general. And I'm, I've been doing some research into the history and of it and things of that nature. It's a, it's a new interest of mine. Um, and I'm curious about maybe a fantasy game that I can play that doesn't require uh, a, a, a dungeon master, I guess I'll say. That's the hard thing to find is two, more people to play. Maybe eventually we can have an astro game group or something. that Maybe that'll be an idea. Um, but back to the new moon. Hey, Rachel, you can be a part of that. Uh, in the new moon, you want to look at the, the first aspect that the, the moon is making after it is released from what is called the bond. So whenever the moon is within 15 degrees of either side of the sun, whether it's a conjunction or an opposition at the full moon, a new moon or full moon, 
the first aspect it makes kind of gives you the flavor of what's going to happen. And the first aspect that this moon makes is a sextile to Mars um, in Aries. So the the sun, the moon will be in Aries, sextiling Mars at 21 degrees of Aquarius and Aries. So this is a, I, I think it could be a positive new moon for taking actions to unravel ourselves from an old situation in preparation for the, the much bigger new start that's going to be happening at the spring equinox. Okay. So, finally, on the 10th, Mercury. This is another part of our conversation. So Mercury is going to be making a positive sextile. Whoops. Uh, a positive sextile to, to Pluto. Okay, at about one degree of Aries and Aquarius. So, I think that even though we have a sextile, this is a spicy, this is a spicy one, right? This is a one where we are probably getting a little bit frustrated with some kind of social construct. And I think that we may be a little bit more vocal about you know, tr exposing the corruption that we see in society. We might be getting a little bit angry about it too. So be careful of your, of your anger and things of that nature with the, the Mercury and Pluto uh, conjunction. Oh, we got some nice ones. Reverend Kai says, Shadow Rift is a very fun cooperative tabletop game our family enjoys playing frequently. Ooh, I'm going to check that out. I love these suggestions. Thank you, Reverend Kai. That's cool. I will check it out. It sounds cool. Uh, Mr. Hindsight says, play Japan's national game of Go! Learn the rules in two minutes. Lifetime to master. Ooh, that's a neat one, too. Um, I love it. Keep those suggestions coming. I, I love when people suggest books to me and games and things like that. So, again, it's a, it's a new interest. And when I get interested in something, I, I really throw myself into it. So, thank you for those suggestions. Okay. So, that is the, the 10th. And once we get past the 10th, uh, we will see, let me go a few hours in advance here. So here's our moving into the 11th. On March 11th. Okay, one other thing I'm going to say before we get past the 10th. March 10th, the time change happens. We spring forward. So, you know, in addition to all of those things that we just discussed, you know, make sure that you understand that you're going to be moving forward. You're probably losing an hour of sleep or however it works. I always get confused about how that works. But uh, you might want to give yourself some extra space on that day, that Sunday, uh, because, you know, if you lose some sleep, you, your body may feel a little bit out of rhythm. And again, we talked about Jupiter and Taurus establishing a new rhythm. So maybe this is a time to establish a new rhythm after the time change. So that brings us to March 11th. And March 11th, uh, the, the, the really the, the big news of March 11th is Venus is going to be moving into Pisces. Okay. So here is, we'll get to it. It's at the, kind of at the end of the day. All right, so March 11th is still mostly Venus and Aquarius, but by the very end of the day, okay, here it is here. What is it, about 7, about 6 o'clock Eastern time. We have Venus 
moving into her exaltation in Pisces, which is good news in my opinion. Um, the bad news is that Venus is still in that malefic enclosure. I'm not seeing, unless someone else can see this, I, but I'm not seeing any planet that's breaking up that malefic enclosure via an aspect. Um, so Venus is still in tough shape, but as I was speaking towards in the beginning of the broadcast today, imagine Venus is like in the Lord of the Rings, the people that were stuck in Helm's Deep, right? They're, they're, they have their backs against the wall, they're under siege, and things are looking bleak. When we get to March 11th, though, reinforcements are coming. The condition vastly improves. Like Gandalf is coming over the hillside with an army, and we're not done with the war, right? We're not done with the battle, but we have much more of the uh, dignity and power that can help us get to the next phase of things. And what we're trying to get to is that conjunction of Venus and Saturn, so that we're, we are released from the malefic enclosure. So, so Venus and Pisces, first of all, it's host changes from Saturn to Jupiter. Okay, so instead of Venus not having any line of communication to its host Saturn, now we have Venus having a sextile to Jupiter. So all of those rhythmic, healthy routines, the balance between play and work, all important now for Venusian activities. Um, Venus in the first decan of Pisces, it's a little bit challenging though, because it's a Saturn decan. And while all of those Venusian things may improve, it, overall, Venus in Pisces speaks to universal love, right? Like compassion for others, you know, creating not just loving one individual, but humanity as a whole and making sacrifices for harmony. But when Venus is in the first 10 degrees of Pisces, oftentimes, you know, and I'm, I'm borrowing this from, from Austin's great book, 36 faces. Oftentimes we may have to leave behind an object of desire. So if you think about Eight of Cups, you can see someone who's going into the unknown, leaving behind material success. So in his wonderful book, he talks a lot about when Venus is here, sometimes we have an object of desire, but we will sometimes come to the realization that that's not exactly what we wanted and we go off in search of what will bring us meaning and purpose. So, again, it, it is a, a somewhat of a celebratory moment, but we're really not going to get the, the real movement until Venus is moving into the second decan of Pisces and passes the conjunction with Saturn, which could bring about an ending. It'll obviously release Venus from the malefic enclosure, Maybe there's new, a new law or something of that nature. Maybe there's a new agreement. Maybe there's a new structure. Maybe there is peace. Maybe there's a new peace agreement. Maybe, I just cross my fingers, maybe there's peace in the, in the Middle East. Maybe that's the ceasefire moment. Maybe that's when we see something where just humanity's better nature takes over and we stop dealing with all of this tragic 
death and and challenge. I I I I've shied away from being too vocal about some of this on the channel because I don't really have great solutions beyond just compassion and kindness and um but maybe this is one of those moments. Maybe it's related to that. Maybe it's related to some of the challenges that we're experiencing with with uh women's reproductive health or some of those types of issues. Again, your your mileage may vary with all of that. Uh but I do think that there will be an important moment when Venus conjoins Saturn and releases her from the malefic enclosure in March. Okay. Let's keep rolling. On the 13th, I want to show you something that I found very interesting here. Um, on March the 13th, we have, let's go forward here. This is the point in time that Uranus moves into the third 10 degree section of Taurus. And something is going on here with my program. Mercury, Mercury things were going too well, weren't they? My, <laughs> the Astro Gold froze, so we will restart it. Um, but what I wanted to show all of you is that now that we get to the 13th, and let's just do the 14th for good measure here so it gets into that space. Um, now Uranus is at 20 degrees of Taurus. And this to me is, is important. Um, being a student of the Deccans, I've seen some of the the more specific themes play out through those outer planet movements. I mean, of course, and inner planet movements. But when we are we're experiencing Uranus moving through uh, Taurus three in the last year or two, it retrograded back into the second Deccan. Um, some of the most challenging climate change experiences were were going around. Uh, we had a lot of forest fires. We had a lot of air quality issues. We had earthquakes or volcanic things. Um, I, I feel that this decade, one of the main themes is humility in the face of nature. And I think that we were given a little bit of a reprieve from that when Uranus was moving back into the second decade, but those issues didn't go away. We had a mild winter, in my opinion, and we had a fairly mild summer, depending on where you live. We did in the Midwest, but I think that we are going to be dealing with some of those challenges yet again. I don't say that to be a fear monger. I, I say that for your own edification, to be able to prepare however you see fit. In my in my world, that means that I'm not going to take the the cool summer for granted last year. And I'm going to have to get myself ready for a hot summer, like which in our case, that means wiring the house to be able to support a large generator in case uh, the power grid goes down and we're stuck in a second floor of a, you know, non-insulated house in 100 degree temperatures. So those are just common sense things to be able to prepare for challenges that are on the horizon. 
Um, you don't have to overdo it, but but a little bit goes along the way, a, a long way. Uh, I, I also think that this decade is about repairing things that have fallen into disrepair, uh, or or alleviating mistakes that we've made in the past, or remedying mistakes, I should say, that we've made in the past. So this could be an opportunity once Uranus moves into the third decan of Taurus to to start fixing and really evaluating, have your actions brought you success or are they bringing you, are they bringing you the results that you want? I mean, this is a seven of, of pentacles decan. And here we see a farmer who's leaning on his tool, basically saying, okay, uh, I've got blight, right? It, it shows potato blight. And it, that card is a reference to the potato famines in Ireland in the late 1800s. And we may have some areas of our life that have, have, you know, acquired some blight. And sometimes it's our fault and sometimes it isn't. You know, sometimes I, I've, I've dealt with this with some various clients that have Taurus 3 placements. A lot of the times they will ha- try to hang on to a situation because they feel like it was a personal failing that they weren't able to fix something or, or bring something to manifestation when it wasn't really in their power. It, it wasn't in their control. It was something that was greater than themselves. It was literally like the landscape changing or something, uh, you know, the weather patterns changing, affecting the land or something like that. And that can be really liberating, understanding that there are forces greater than ourselves and surrendering to those forces. So just by having a healthy respect for nature and, and recognizing that you are a part of your local ecosystem, that can help you to do two things. Number one, it can help you to prepare and understand that as much as human beings like to center themselves in the universe, that you know there are natural forces that could end our existence at any, at any point. And to, to be able to, to work with those patterns and prepare for them is important. Second of all, it can help you to understand that because you are a part of your local ecosystem, you can take actions to be a good steward or a good participant or a good uh, facilitator of the harmony between yourself and that land. An example being like, in my own backyard, we've replaced about a third of the yard so far with native pollinator plants so that we are creating what is called a eucatastrophe, a good crisis. So it's an oasis for pollinator butterflies, bugs, etc., bees, so that they, eucatastrophe was a, a Tolkien term where it's like the eagles coming to rescue Frodo and Sam from, from doom, okay? So you can be that in your community, you know? And I think Uranus and Taurus 3 is going to show us where we can be uh, the change that we want to see, especially when it comes to understanding that we are not separate from nature. We are a part of it. We are not the only part of it. We are not here to dominate it. We are here to steward and be maybe the eyes and maybe the caretakers. You know, we're a caretaker species. We, we could be if we, if we committed to it. So 
important kind of shift of of that I think is worthy of uh, examination. Okay, so that is the thirteenth, fourteenth Uranus moving into Taurus three. From the fourteenth to the twentieth, the moon moves out of bounds. Okay, uh, and so another time period like as Uranus moves into Taurus three, maybe we will have some experience that shows us something that needs to be remedied in our life, especially in the Taurus area of our chart. And that may throw us for a little bit of an emotional loop or, or exhaust our bodies, and then we deal with that moon out of bounds. When we get to the 15th, now we are getting into emergence territory. Okay? So here is the 15th, and I'm going to show you where Mercury is going to be emerging from the beams. Okay? So this is uh, happening around 11 degrees of Aries. Man, Mercury is just flying. It's moving like a whole degree, like two degrees over a 24-hour period. Um, So here is the end of the 15th, okay? And here we have Mercury at 11 degrees of Aries. And it is separating from the sun by 15 degrees. So that arc of separation is important. That that means that Mercury becomes visible at night. So if I were to put this chart on the descendant, which literally in the sky is the, the in my area, the western horizon where the sun sets. Once the sun has begun to set, Mercury will will become visible again at night. The same is true for when a planet is a morning star. When the sun is about to rise, that that planet becomes visible on the eastern horizon, okay? Or it is visible in the sky somewhere. So, this is an important moment of phosis where we are getting an understanding of what we need for our own personal sovereignty. Okay, this is th- this decan has been compared to one of making a royal decree. When we have when we talked about and we will talk more about Aries one, oftentimes in Aries one, which is a Mars decan, we say this is what we're not. This is we reject the collective to individuate. But when we get into the second decan, after we've rejected what we are not, we have a solar decan that says here's who we are. This is I am. Instead of, I am not, I am this. So Mercury may be making declarative statements about what you are or what, you know, what your, your vision is, what your personal you know, thing is. And it's an important moment. It's, it's some, a time when Mercury is going to be a lot more functional because it's not going to be harmed by the rays of the sun anymore. And we might be able to start taking action on our personal desires. And also keep in mind that that decan of Aries is where the the new moon solar eclipse is going to be on April the 8th. So this is a really important time to ask questions about the unfolding that's going to happen much more powerfully during eclipse season. Okay, so that's Mercury at at the emerging as an evening star. Now, when we move forward to the 16th, then we have the position of Saturn emerging, okay, as the morning star. And I'm going to show you this exactly here. 
So check this out, right? So here is here's Saturn on the horizon, the eastern horizon at sunrise. And you can see that Saturn is rising. The, the, the planets rise in clockwise, you know, uh, this is called primary motion, okay? And you can see that Saturn is rising before the sun, and it will rise all the way up to the midheaven, which is the, the, you know, the highest point it rises to at noon. And then it sets over here at the descendant, and then it's below the, the, uh, the ecliptic here on the IC at midnight. Okay, So this is a point where we're going to be able to, to see Saturn again. Saturn is becoming visible again because it is in that arc of separation of 15 degrees. So this is an important unfolding for a new blueprint Think about Saturn as the blueprint that we organize society around. So this could be a new blueprint for organizing society as, as Saturn emerges as the morning star at 11 degrees of Pisces. So Pisces 2, Saturn and Pisces 2 shows us the boundaries between realms, uh, the real and imagined realms. It Saturn has a binding quality to it, so we may bind our vision to reality so we can connect them. Uh, it may also show us the the barriers between our vision and our hopes. So it could it could could be a moment of disappointment too, where we're seeing, well, this isn't exactly how I wanted it to be. But keep in mind, Venus is coming to to smooth that over. So w this moment may show us how far we have to go. Venus may be there to come to the rescue eventually, hopefully. Um, but new mythical structures being revealed. To me, Pisces is the, the, the mycelium that connects everything under, under the ground or under the, the visible lived reality that we have. It is everything that, that is intangible. So we may have a new mythic structure that, that is unfolding in our life, a new story, a new mythology that we can shape our life around with Saturn emerging as the morning starts, the, the, the rebirth of Saturn when it comes into the heart of the sun and then the revealing of, of that new form when it emerges as a morning star. Okay. Now we're going to go to the 17th, which is a pretty busy day, right? We have a pretty busy day here. We look at the 17th, and here we are seeing... I'm going to go back a couple hours here so that we can kind of visualize this on the screen. So at the very wee hours of March 17th, which is a Sunday, uh, we are going to have our, la our first quarter moon, excuse me, our, our first quarter moon. So this is where we have the moon at 27 degrees Gemini, squaring the sun conjoining Neptune at 27 degrees of Pisces. So, <laughs> this is it's interesting. So, we have the sun coming together with the planet associated with dissolving, with uh, anesthesia, with altered states of consciousness, with dissolving something back into undifferentiated awareness. And we have the moon moving through a sign that sometimes gets overwhelmed by choices, by, by tr wanting to explore every pathway. And in the third decan of Gemini, 
we're being asked to make a choice. We're being asked to make a sacrifice of one of our ideas so that we can breathe life into what wants to, which is breathe life into our highest priority of what wants to live in our life. So that, that transition between this first quarter moon, we're going to move into the moon and cancer shortly afterwards where the moon and cancer is going to start trining Venus, Saturn, the sun, Neptune. So the, the challenging decisions that we have to make at this first quarter moon on the 17th are hopefully going to start leading to uh, a, a, an easier experience moving forward. So you may have to make a sacrifice of one particular path so that you can breathe life into your vision. And that might be frustrating. Uh, oftentimes we don't want to give up uh, a, a path that we are wedded to. Um, but just be careful that whatever you're sacrificing, that you're, you're getting clear on it, uh, especially with the sun and Neptune coming together. Try not to, to paint yourself in, in broad brushstrokes of, of martyr or savior. Either one can be detrimental. Um, so, so it's easy to get lost in feeling like the world is conspiring against us or that, that we have more power uh, than we actually do sometimes, um, or that we're, that our sacrifice is, you know, we, sometimes we, it, it, we, we mistake sacrifice for narcissism. Uh, I think that there, it's a special type of narcissism saying that I will sacrifice this for you and you are indebted to me for this. I think that that's really dangerous. So be very careful of what you sacrifice for and and that it is a true sacrifice and not like a quid pro quo. Like, I'm going to make this sacrifice, but only if you do this and, and like acknowledge me in this regard. A true sacrifice doesn't ask for anything in return. So if you are thinking of doing something like that, just first of all, make sure that whatever you're doing that for is worthy of that. And then release any expectations about what, you may receive in return for it because it's not truly a sacrifice if you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Okay. So this is uh, the 17th. Let's keep going. And let's move to the 18th. And on the 18th, we have something interesting going on. We're almost done with the sun in Pisces. This is actually the last two days of that. So what we see here on the on the 18th is Mercury moving to 15 degrees of Aries. And in doing so, it is conjoining the North Node. So whenever a planet is coming together with the North Node, uh, in Hellenistic astrology, we, we consider that a place of increase. So this could be a moment of increase, especially related to personal sovereignty. And what I mean by that, personal sovereignty is your ability to move under your own power, your ability to make your own decisions, your ability to be the master of your own domain or, or whatever it is, the leader of your own world. Um, oftentimes in this deck, and we talk about creating your own world. Uh, there was a talisman that was created not that long ago in, in this household where it was a ring, an Aries 2 solar ring, 
And a lot of the the symbolism behind it was being able to create your own reality within it and be the master of that reality. So with Mercury conjoining the North Node in Aries, you might be really discussing how you can become more independent, discussing what what your real vision is for your that takes your own needs into account. You may need to be careful of disregarding other people's needs. Um, there could be an adjustment period coming at that full moon lunar eclipse where as much as you want to move under your own power, there, there are all sorts of relationships that we have where we do need to make compromises with one another. So also keep in mind that this is the point that Mercury is going to retrograde back to in March. No, in April, sorry, in April. So this is the beginning of Mercury's retrograde shadow period. So that's another great reason not to overdo it with the self-directed uh, decrees, okay? Because, uh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Mercury is going to say, well, you might have forgotten a few details with that. You may have to review. The power that you were given may be taken back a little bit because you have, maybe you weren't able to compromise the first time around. So keep that in consideration is that whatever personal sovereignty you're trying to enact around this period of time, it will be up for review. It doesn't mean it's going to be taken away permanently or something of that nature. It just means that there will have to be adjustments to what that looks like when Mercury goes retrograde from uh, April 1st to April the 25th, from 27 degrees of Aries to 15 degrees of Aries. So we may have some trouble getting people on board with our vision, which is Aries 3. Okay, that's that's the Eros Deccan where we say, isn't this great? You should follow my vision. You know, in, in the second Deccan we say, this is what I want. This is who I am. But in the third Deccan we say, this is great and you should come along for the ride. So you may have to re-evaluate how you are selling your project, your vision, your independence, because during April, those things are going to be up for review, and it's going to be eclipse season. Okay, so that is the end of Pisces seasons, my friend. Season, my friends. So let's take another little break here. Or I think we're we're on track here. We're probably going to hit this under three hours. I hope an hour for each decade. <laughs> like it's just, there's a lot of astrology going on. So do me a huge favor, my friends. Um, please like and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Uh, take a stretch. If you want to donate to the work I'm doing here today, this is a great opportunity to hit that little dollar sign in the chat and buy me a super sticker or a super chat. If you want to support the work that I'm doing, you can also buy me a coffee at buymecoffee.com. I am available for readings. If you want me to look at your individual chart, you can find that at spencermichaud.com. Uh, all sorts of different readings, natal readings, transit readings, astrological tutoring. If you're interested in learning more about these things, I love teaching. It's one of my passions. I love being able to take these complex ideas and and make it simple to understand. Uh, I find that we go long on these live streams because they aren't just forecasts. They are classes. Uh, we're learning this these techniques as we go. And sometimes that takes time. You know, learning takes time to just be able to incorporate that 
you have to explain it in many different ways so that you can connect with people when you're a teacher. Okay, so that is our little stretch break here. How y'all doing? I know we still got some people with us live here. I'm just grateful for all of you here today. I know that we're trying to streamline it today, so we're, we have a little bit less comments, but throw me a comment in there. See, tell me tell me how you're doing, how you're feeling, what your hopes are for, for March, and uh, if there's any technical questions about the astrology that we have, I'd be happy to, to answer them. But if we don't, we're just going to keep rolling. All right. So... We are finding ourselves in Aries season. So let's just take a look at the sun in Aries 1. From March the 19th to March 30th, we will briefly dip into Aries 2 at the end of the month, but we won't spend a ton of time on that. So let's bring up this Aries Deccans slides. So now that we're in Aries season, this is a slide from my Deccans of Aries webinar, which is for sale on my website, SpencerMichaud.com. Uh, this is a Deccan where we are moving from the suit of cups in the tarot to the suit of wands. It is also moving from a Jupiter-ruled sign, okay, where we're, where we're concerned with belief, we're concerned with peace, harmony, uh, universal, love, etc. Um, and we're moving into a Mars Deccan, and a Mars sign. And so this is a Mars Deccan in a Mars sign. It's one of the most martial placements in the Zodiac. The other one being the first 10 degrees of Scorpio. Um, so this is the, the Mars energy to make a new start and to promote growth. Whereas the first decan of Scorpio is about severing from old growth, okay? It is severing spirit from the body. Here, we're infusing uh, the spirit into the body. We're saying, okay, we're going to separate ourselves from the collective, from the one thing, and infuse consciousness into it, solar consciousness, martial consciousness. And we're having to burst through the ground, like the little seedling is having to to use the Mars energy to burst through the, the, the ground to be able to, to spread its, its leaves and to grow into fruition. And that can be challenging. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of force. Uh, it sometimes concerns rejecting the values of the family, the collective, etc. And it, it's, it's sometimes, if we are too passive... We, we can just get stuck in, in someone else's vision, in someone else's dream. And Aries is here to say, what is, what is my dream? What is, you know, my vision? That little seed, if it just was like content to stay under the ground in the collective mycelium, would never grow, right? It would just get stuck there. It would just get stagnated. So Aries says, force your way up above ground, okay? So... And we see the daimon spirit here, Adonis, which is a is a basically the name of Hades, the lord of the underworld. And in many myths, uh, Hades erupted from the ground like like a seedling, you know, and captured Persephone, etc. But he 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 had a volcanic eruption. 
So severing the umbilical cord, you know, being able to say, no, I'm not, I'm not codependent. I'm not reliant on this source anymore. Although I will say this, we're never truly disconnected from source. So, so try not to, when you're going through airy season, try not to mistake your personal independence to feeling like you never need anyone's help. I think this is something that a lot of Aries folks get caught up in. I have Aries friends like this that they almost take it as a personal affront if they need help. You know, it's almost an embarrassment if they have to ask for help. And I think that that's misguided. Everyone needs help. Even even the you you warriors out there sometimes need help. Okay? And there's no shame in that. Sometimes there's situations that are just out of your hands and out of your control and and it's okay to to be vulnerable in those instances sometimes. Uh, so severing the umbilical cord. Chokhmah in Atziluth is the is the Kabbalistic Sephira. So Chokhmah is a flash of awareness, and Atziluth is the is the kind of a related to the wand suit and the the spiritual fire. Okay, so a flash of inspiration, inspirational insight. If, if many of you, if you have Aries placements or you know an Aries in your life. It, it, there's always this energy of like, this is new and exciting. You know, this is like, have you ever heard of this band? They're amazing. I just discovered them yesterday. The Beatles, they're amazing, right? This, I, I'm the first person to discover them. They are awesome. You should listen to them. They're great. And they're like 60 years late, you know, but <laughs> like, that's one way of thinking of it. Um, or they're, they're pioneers. Maybe they are discovering something truly new. They are, are pioneering. So, I, I'm never upset by that type of enthusiasm. It's kind of refreshing to me. I think in a world that gets really jaded, um, that Aries energy of seeing everything with fresh new eyes is, is welcome. And I hope that we can maintain that, almost that innocence around it. Uh, splitting of the one, cellular mitosis. Austin Kaba calls this deck in the axe. So this is, you know, this is where we're, we're splitting away from that universal oneness to be able to create growth. This is how we grow is through cells splitting and multiplying and, and the being gets more and more complex. The plant gets more complex as those cells split and multiply. So raw force and undiluted yang energy. This is a very yang uh, type of, you know, forceful movement forward. The sperm breaking through the wall of the ovum, another important aspect of life. And the bursting of the seed husk or the, the bursting of the seed through the soil. So questions you can ask yourself during this time period. How can you individuate? How can you become a singular point of consciousness within the collective? And what role does that play within the collective? It, it needs to have a role within the collective. What is not you? What is? How can you break new ground? Uh, what, where is brute force necessary and where is it excessive? Okay, good questions to ask during airy season. Not every situation calls for an axe, you know. Not every, uh, you, you don't want to use an axe to, I don't know, cut your hair, <laughs> like, right? Uh, that might be a little too much, right? You're going to be swinging an axe, like, just chop it off. Um, but you might need an axe to split some wood. So every tool has, a, has its has its right, right purpose and right situation. Um. What new territory do you want to conquer? Now, this is interesting because this we're bringing in some of the language of the 
we have to be careful of this, right? Because we have uh, the language of colonialism that comes up in some of the decanic explorations. And here we see a figure that some people have called Alexander the Great looking out into his, with his globe and trying to figure out which new lands he wants to conquer. Now we can change the language around that so that we don't necessarily feel like we have to be perpetuating those types of stereotypes, but which new uh, personal territory do you want to explore? Which new ideas do you want to master? I think mastery could be a way to, to shift that perspective and say, you know what, this is something I want to pursue. This is something I want to master. I need to overcome inertia, right? That's what Aries is good for, overcoming old inertia. So what new beginning is worth fighting for? Sometimes to be able to individuate, there's a lot of people that don't want to see us change. And sometimes there are righteous battles that we have to fight so that we can become the best version of ourselves in that moment. And that can be a, a way to utilize that Aries energy too, is saying, you know what, you're going to have to separate from what is not you. There is conscious ways to, to separate and to sever and to uncouple. I think the most, the, the most conscientious Aries folks that I know are able to say, I'm gonna just going to go do this, and you can, you can do it if you want, but it's okay if you're not just like me, right? You, know, you do you, I'll do me. And you let me be me, and, I, and I'll let you be you, right? Whether, rather than saying, I'm going to be me, and you, you better be like me too. And if you're not like me, then you're wrong, and we're going to war. Like, that's where we run into the problems. So there will be times when, when you are asserting your own individuality where it does infringe on someone else's rights and personhood. And that's when it's not right. That's when you're out of alignment. That's when you're not in alignment with the Tao because you're not allowing for the multiplicity of experiences. So keep that in mind during Aries season. Not every desire that comes into your brain is one that you should pursue because it could be harmful to someone else. I know that's hard to hear in this, these, these times. It's like we get an idea and we're like, I want that, you know, and, and we get fed this, this mythology around being able to pursue everything that we want, blah, blah, blah. And I'm sorry to sound jaded about it, but it's not everything that we desire is actually healthy for ourselves or for the collective. And if through pursuing our own desires, we harm others, then we become the villain, not the hero. So you have to think about what role you're playing within that. I'm getting fired up when I'm talking about Aries. Just It's appropriate, I think, though, isn't it, to get fired up when we talk about Aries. All right, so let's go over to the, the chart, and we'll, let's just look at the Aries ingress chart, because this is something that I was, was kind of looking at. And let's kind of... Now, this is for my own location of Ypsilanti, Michigan, but you could do this for any location. Uh, you could do it for the capital of your country if you want to see what's going on in your country. And, and that's a, a branch of astrology called mundane astrology. I'm, I'm not so much an expert in that, but you know, it is interesting to see just the basics of what's happening at this point. First of all, you, know, you had Mercury that just recently emerged from under the beams and conjoined the North Node. Okay recognizing that it just moved into its shadow and there will be some of these things that are up for review. Also important to recognize at this Aries ingress, 
Venus is still enclosed with the, the malefic planets and is coming into and is applying to a conjunction with Saturn. So there's probably going to be some some challenges with Venusian issues. Aries ingress charts are used to see what uh, the experience would be for that specific place for the entire season. So these things are baked into this, sort of like a solar return chart um, for your for your particular natal chart. So you have Venus conjoining Saturn, uh, you know, maybe talking about an ending, talking about trying to harmonize a new blueprint for society that that bridges the ideal versus the practical. Um, we've got, you know, Jupiter, you know, coming together with Uranus, maybe bringing us innovative ideas to deal with things like humility in the face of nature, aka climate change, giving us new ways to remedy some mistakes that we've made in the past due to our rashness. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. The, the moon is going to be making a trine to the sun, so that's a positive aspect for the Aries ingress. Uh, maybe through our individuation, we're also able to utilize our spotlights and our our platforms to be able to bring new things into existence. So that's the Aries in ingress chart for Ypsilanti, Michigan. I'm not going to do this for Washington, D.C. or anything like that. That, that to me, that's beyond my pay grade. Uh, I, I tend to focus a little bit more on the personal, um, but there are plenty of people out there who are doing that, that uh, it would be uh, fortuitous to support their work. So let's take a look at some of the final aspects because we're getting into eclipse season. That's really the, the big picture with Sun and Aries 1 is we're going to have an eclipse here. Um, so a couple things before we before we get into the eclipse, okay? First of all, there's a new planet that is hosting the sun. We had the Jupiter hosting the sun before, but now Mars is hosting the sun. And Mars is moving through the final degrees of Aquarius for the, the first part of this, okay? And we're having to take action to unravel old karmic knots, to revisit something that was maybe vexing us, not to to uh, revitalize it permanently, but to revisit it for the specific purpose of letting go and moving on. You know, again, if you check out my Deccans of Aquarius, you, you'll see me talk a lot about the story of Osiris in that Deccan, who was resurrected briefly so that he could father or sire the new god Horus, and then he eventually became, he had to release his physical form and become the lord of the underworld. So, we through airy season, we may begin the month, or begin the season, I guess, uh, revisiting some old things and unraveling some old knots, and eventually Mars is going to move into Pisces, and unfortunately, it's going to be an aversion to the sun. So, we might have an opportunity to, to actually take more action while Mars is in Aquarius for those final degrees. Um, and then the, the energy is just going to shift, and we, we may not have as much support uh, for the, the Aries Sun and Mercury when Mars moves into Pisces. Now, the good news is, is that the Sun is in its exaltation in Aries. So it's almost, and this is something I'm a little bit on the fence about still, philosophically, but I think a planet, when it's in its exaltation, even if it doesn't have support from its domicile lord, in this case, Mars to the sun, I think it has its own support. 
Like it, it is able to kind of do its own thing. Yeah, so I think that the sun still has the ability to do solar things when it's in Aries, even if it isn't having the support it needs from Mars. Okay, so that is the movement of the sun into Aries. Happy spring equinox, a great time for new beginnings. Um, again, Venus in malefic enclosure. Be careful of overestimating your abilities, especially in Venusian uh, circumstances. Remember, we talked about the the, the dolus energy, or and the well, actually, we specifically talked about Phaethon. Dolus was another sorcerer's apprentice who overestimated his ability in regards to creating humanity from clay, uh, and was an apprentice to Prometheus. But just be careful not to overdo it. Uh, especially when you're trying to come into alignment with a new start. And um, that that will bring us, okay, this will bring us to the 21st, which is an important day. So here is, we're going to move forward off the 19th, and we get to the 21st. Finally, finally, we see Venus and Saturn coming together, and Venus moving out of the malefic enclosure, while simultaneously the Sun is making a sextile to Pluto. That's really fascinating to me, is we have an ability for the Sun to harmoniously say, this is what I am not, and it is making a, a, a very fortuitous aspect to Pluto in Aquarius 1, which is basically like they they call that the the lord of conflict and defeat where you see someone just saying you know what i'm done i'm moving on i do, i'm not going to be part of this this system i don't want to try to pretend to be part of the 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 center you know uh i'm going to go go off and do things in a new unorthodox way potentially so this this could be the moment where where we see a severing from a social value uh because of you know an unjustness uh, and Venus coming together with Saturn, saying, you know what, we are, maybe this isn't perfect, but it's good enough. That, that's another vibe of that decade to me, is like, let's just surrender and allow ourselves to be. It's not perfect, but let's come to terms with what is possible and what isn't, and let's smooth over the process, okay? And this, this I think this advice would be really helpful for a lot of conflicts we're experiencing globally, is... If we would just release our striving for perfection, whether it's the perfection of an ideal of like which land belongs to who and who can live where, or who is able to determine what people do with their bodies and things of that nature, if we could just release like <laughs> trying to just make everything conform to our own personal vision and allow people to just live and exist in harmony with one another. I mean, at the end of the day, I get real frustrated with this because a lot of the things that people battle about, it really, at the end of the day, doesn't doesn't really matter if they would release that perspective and just allow the other party to exist. And I'm talking about the Middle East. I'm talking about uh, people who get up in arms about, like, gender affirming care and stuff like that just allow people to exist right just allow people to live and exist and go do your own thing because at the end of the day it doesn't 
often doesn't affect you, right? The choices that someone else is making does, does often does not have anything to do with your experience. I get so so bent out of shape that people are so willing to to infringe on other people's right to just be. If you want to live your life in a certain way, go live your life, but allow people to live their lives as well. And I think that this could be the moment where we, where we, I pray and I hope that we let bygones be bygones and just allow each other to be in whatever form that that is. Oh, sorry, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Tanya's here. Tanya says he's trading in a Chevy for a Cadillac. You ought to know by now. Oh, moving on, right? We're moving on from something. And that is a reference to a, an amazing reel I saw on Instagram where there was a Cadillac sign where the, the A and the C were flashing and someone overlapped Billy Joel's Cadillac, <laughs> like moving on, Anthony's song. So yes, exactly. Like just allow people to just be themselves and move on. It's okay to admit you were wrong if you took a, a hardline stance about something dissolve the bound the barriers between one another and that's i think that's what venus and saturn are going to come together to do is just just start to smooth over these these ways that we separate ourselves through belief right and make no mistake we've become so divided as a as a country as a world just based on philosophical differences and at the end of the day it doesn't, a lot of it just doesn't matter. Just go do you and someone else, allow them to do, to do what they need to do. Okay. I'll, I'll come down off the soapbox now. Uh, Mercury's in Pisces. We get passionate about these things. We get passionate about, about peace. We get passionate about things that bring us an emotional response. And again, you know, I, I, I try to avoid being controversial and try to avoid like uh, things that would create disharmony with people. I, I want to be a bridge, but this is me having an, a, an impassioned plea for kindness and for peace and allowing other people to just live their life and you living your life, you know? That's really, the, I think, the, the, where this is coming from, from me personally. Okay, friends, let's keep going. So that's our Venus-Saturn conjunction. It's the end of the malefic enclosure. I wrote in my notes, love wins, exclamation point. <laughs> like, I added that it, in parentheses, I said, hopefully. <laughs> like, so that's, that seems the vibe to me. Like, love wins. Hope, right? Right? Love will win? You know, like, I used to be, I, I just uh, always used to always think that the good guys would win, quote unquote. But as I've gotten older, it sometimes sometimes that doesn't happen. Some, and, and the quote-unquote good guys is always relative. Everyone thinks that they're the good guy in their story. So what I consider the good guys or the good the the, the righteous position, someone else might take as a as a loss, and that's the relativity factor that we have to take into mind when we are exploring beliefs. You know, there's not every belief has a capital B. There are little little B. They're, they're little t-truths, they're relative truths. All right, so that's our, that's our Venus-Saturn uh, conjunction, Venus leaving malefic enclosure. And just as that is happening, oh my goodness, we see Mars 
moving into Pisces. So this is the movement. I, I just love the synchronicity, like the, the uh, I don't know, the timing of all this. Okay, we, we, we finally, <laughs> Mars and Saturn have released Venus from her, from their clutches, right? And then Mars is like, all right, I guess, I guess I'll, you know, stop uh, doing this dance in, in Aquarius and moves into Pisces and into a moving on kind of experience like the eight of got that eight of cups experience with mars uh being less rational more emotional um a little bit more uh evasive evasive maneuvers i guess you could say uh i think that when mars is in pisces that there is an indirect motion and, and uh people fight not through head-on confrontation but sometimes through manipulation or emotional manipulation. And as Austin Kopic points out, manipulating other people's realities. So he, he describes it as sub, subterfuge and confusion. Um, I just, if you'll humor me for a football reference for a minute, the, the, my favorite team, the Green Bay Packers, just hired a defensive coordinator. His name's Jeff Halfley from Boston College. He's an Aries son. He has Mars in Pisces, and one of the hallmarks of his defenses, I, and I'm assuming, is being able to create uh, an illusion at the line of scrimmage before the play is even happening. So, oftentimes in football, people are the quarterback, the, the the offensive team is analyzing what the defense is going to do, and by creating an illusion of what you're going to do, but then actually doing something different, is I think a great metaphor for the way Mars might engage in combat. And in this case, football is a, is a game of combat, right? Uh, Morgan's here says, never stop doing sports astrology. I love it. You know, I've been missing sports astrology. We took a little bit of a break or a hiatus from doing the astrology of sports on the Nightlight channel. Maybe we'll start doing more of it here. I, I really love those metaphors. And I've been listening to a podcast by a guy named John um, but Booker. Um, B-U-C-H-E-R, uh, who's teaching a class on ancient games coming up in the near future. And just listening to him talk about how just just the the beauty of, of sport and of games and of how close it is to a, a shared ritual with others. I've always felt that way. I've always felt the transcendent nature of games and sports. And I just love it. I've got I've got Neptune in my fifth house, so it's, it's of course a way that I can connect with the divine. I think on some level, but I, I've always viewed sport as as ballet, and uh, it's just a really it's super fun. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, check it out, John Booker, B U C H E R, and he has a he has he goes over the history and myths of like games and things of that nature uh, with another historian, uh, and he he's a a professor who graduated from the Pacifica Graduate Institute with, I, I should probably talk to this guy because he seems to be living the life that I hoped to live at one point. Um, he has a degree in mythology, a doctorate in mythology and depth psychology from Pacifica, that, that, that with, which has the Joseph Campbell Library and a lot of Carl Jung stuff and James Hillman. And at one point I had, was exploring going to that university but at the time, it was very cost prohibitive and stuff. And um, but yeah, he has a class coming up in Atlas Atlas Obscura 
on the history of games that I'm thinking of signing up for um, and ancient games and, and what kind of games they played in ancient Greece and things like that. So check that out if you're interested and maybe I'll see one, some of you in class potentially. Um, okay, so that's Mars moving into Pisces. Again, the metaphor of creating deception at the line of scrimmage in a football defense, like pretending like you're going to blitz, but going into coverage, dropping back into coverage, pretending like you're going to drop back into coverage, but you bring in the house, you know, like that's, that to me is a Mars Pisces type of thing. Uh, you know, distorting someone's reality on some level. Okay. So we move forward to the 24th and uh, we're going to see, we're almost, we're coming to the end of our time here. We're getting, I think we're doing really great today. You all have been asking great questions and having good comments, and but we're, we're staying pretty focused too, which I appreciate. Uh, so we have a, a nice aspect perfecting from Venus to Jupiter, okay? So you can see here, I'm a little bit past it in this particular moment in time, but this is on the 24th where we see Venus making a sextile to Jupiter. I think this is like Jupiter and Venus coming together saying, and saying, breathing this sigh of relief of like, oh. Venus was like, oh man, I just went through some hell. Um, finally, we're getting to the point where we can create a new rhythm, a new routine uh, with the, the sextile with Venus at 15 degrees Pisces. Sextile and Jupiter at 15 degrees of Taurus. I'll keep you updated as to how this goes. I'm, I'm excited about this because in my personal chart, I have the sun at 15 degrees Cancer and the moon at 15 degrees of Taurus. So Venus will be in an overcoming trine to my sun and sextiling my moon and Jupiter will be exactly conjoining my natal moon and sextiling my natal sun. So maybe there's something cool that comes out of that for me personally, but for, for all of us. Some just kind of nice uh, respite uh, where, where the after the difficulty of the malefic enclosure and Venus coming together with Saturn, that we're able to take the insights that we learned from that challenge and do something good with it, you know, to, to see that well, maybe we didn't get everything that we dreamed of, but we, we manifested some of the vision and now we're able to put, put it into practical reality. So I think that that's a, an, an important moment. Um, think of the nine of cups, that false staff character, the satisfied character, uh, and relate it to the six of pentacles where we have uh, a, someone who is giving alms to the poor and receiving benefact, benefactors, right? So, so, this could be a time where we're receiving some kind of unexpected benefactor as well, or, or resources that we might desperately need. Okay, so that is the, the Venus-Jupiter sextile. It's always good to see some good news in there too, isn't it? And this is leading us to our really big moment of the month. And that is the full moon lunar eclipse on March the 25th. Okay, so here we have the sun at five degrees of Aries and the moon at five degrees of Libra. Eclipses happen when the sun or the moon are very close to the, the nodes. So here we have the moon conjoining the south node and the sun conjoining the north node. So we have the sun coming closer to a point of increase. 
where we're increasing our ability to have personal sovereignty, okay? We're increasing our, our, our ability to move under our own power. We have the moon coming close to the south node where we are reducing our, de- our de- codependence and our, our need to ask permission, okay? Uh, with the moon being in the first decan of Libra, we may have an awareness of an injustice uh, or something that is unfair or unbalanced. Now, what I find fascinating about this is eclipses often cast one of the lights into darkness. So in this case, since we have a lunar eclipse, uh, the moon's going to be cast into darkness. So we may have a blind spot when it comes to injustice at this eclipse, or we might not care. Like we might not, we may say, well, I don't care if it's not fair. I'm going to do this because I want to do it. So I guess I would say that that's, uh, it's an opportunity to do something that you might not normally do, like because of someone else's disapproval. But it's also a warning to, to be careful about pursuing something that is important to you because you might not be clear about what other people's needs are within that structure. Okay. Now, also keep in mind that Mercury is going to retrograde in Aries. So whatever thing that you pursue, there is probably going to be a need to review some of it or revisit some of the details of that moving forward. Okay, the first aspect after the moon moves out of the bond is an opposition to Mercury at 25 degrees of Aries. So we may have some challenges getting people on board with our own personal vision with Mercury in that in that decan of Aries. And again, we'll have to backtrack on it eventually to, to win people over potentially. Okay, so we may have to re- revisit the methods that we're using to get people on board with our personal vision. Okay. And then finally, on the 28th, we have Venus making a sextile to Uranus. So after this eclipse, okay, here's Venus at 20 degrees, Pisces, making a sextile to 20 degrees of Taurus. And this is where Venus really shines in this decan of Pisces. This is where she's getting very close to her degree of exaltation at 28 degrees. Um, you know, eventually we'll have Venus conjoining Neptune around the ex- exaltation degree. So that that's pretty magical on some level, although we have to be very careful about uh, over-idealizing um, our compassion, I guess you could say. Uh, this is It's a very dreamy conjunction that will be happening into the beginning of, of April. Uh, but this is a moment where you know, we have Venus helping to bring the dream closer, uh, helping us to attract the right circumstances, and harmonizing with Uranus, who is asking us to remedy past mistakes. Okay, so have compassion for other people in their mistakes and for yourself. This is another thing where this is a great time to practice self-acceptance to say, yeah, I kind of screwed that up in the past and now I need to do something different. And that's okay. That's just learning. You know, it's, it's self-acceptance, I think, that and it could really help us break free from some patterns that, that don't serve us. And then one more thing before we wrap it up today 
is the moon will be out of bounds from the 29th to uh, the 3rd of April. So again, this is happening when the moon's out of bounds in Scorpio. So we've got a couple Scorpio moons this month where it's it goes out of bounds. So this could just be an extra emotional time potentially. But I will say that the moon's going to be trining Venus here and, and Neptune. So it may, it may be a little bit less harsh than it would normally be. You know, after we have that opposition with Uranus, there may be an uncomfortable truth that gets revealed, but then uh, the tears will flow and they'll be healing and cleansing. Okay. Uh, so that is March. There's really no aspects when the sun moves into Aries, uh, Aries 2. So you can see here on the 30th and 31st, we have the sun moving into Aries 2. So I'm going to save some of that for next month, for, for April. I guess the gist of that, as you've heard me talking about it, um, is that we will then have the, the sun gain extra dignity by face, where instead of shining a spotlight on what you're not to separate, you say, this is who I am. That, and that will get us prepared for the new moon solar eclipse that's happening in, at about 19 degrees of Aries on the, the 8th of April which is, is the maximum degree of exaltation of the sun. Super powerful degree for like stating our own case. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that when we get to April. But let's, uh, yeah, that's our full moon lunar eclipse in Libra as we were discussing that. And of course we had the sun in Aries too from three, you know, March 30th to about March 31st. And that will bring us back to our final discussion where we are going to talk about the I Ching and we are going to talk about an animal. So the I Ching that I got for you for April, man, thanks Mercury. Hermes is bringing me all sorts of, uh, you know, water to wade through from the thought to the, to the mouth today. Yeah, Morgan says, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the solar eclipse being right on the exaltation degree. You know what? I think it's going to be an incredible time. Um, I will have to dive further into the details, but just the, the fact that we have, you know, the sun on the degree of exaltation is very powerful for individuation and for a new start for our ability to be independent. So that part I feel very confident in moving forward. So what is the essence of the astrology of March 2024? Well, friends, I got hexagram number five, which makes a lot of sense, especially in context of the month that precedes the big eclipses, okay? Or the big eclipse, you know. So number five translates to waiting, calculated waiting, biding your time, waiting for rain, nourishment, replenishment. It's the pre-solar eclipse period. Remember, we talked about this earlier in the show where we don't want to force things during Pisces season. Pisces goes with the flow. It goes with the current. It allows things to come to them. It's not overly aggressive in pursuing things before their time. Because if we do that, we can deal with the challenges of Phaethon, of Dolus, where we aren't ready for that power. Everything in its own time. Let, let it cook. Let it marinate. If you don't let something cook long enough on the stove, it's not going to taste as good right? Be patient. Delayed gratification. There are two changing lines 
and we're changing the hexagram 19. And I'll talk about that in a second. Line number three says, waiting in the mud will bring about the arrival of robbers. So our first uh, instinct when we're waiting is to wait in fear and to, to wait in a way that gets us stuck in the old narrative. If we're constantly waiting in, in a state of anxiety, that causes us to take actions that aren't in our own best interest. And that causes robbers to come. It makes us vulnerable to people who would take advantage of us because we're not thinking clearly. So be careful of that. It also, this, this line also describes premature actions could lead to negative consequences. Again, faith on myth. It's not the time to push the river, okay? Stay calm. Exercise caution. Prepare for your new start. And prepare in a way that is hopeful and expectant. Even though you can't see the results of your actions right now, the essence of faith is being able to hold that vision in your mind and in your heart before it comes into reality, while you can't see it. So that brings us to our second line, waiting at the banquet, perseverance brings good fortune. So this shows us, you know, one way if we could wait in the mud, you know, getting stuck in those old negative emotions and feelings, or we could wait in the presence of abundance. We could, we could eat, drink, and be merry while we wait for the new circumstances. So this, this could be a time of peace and relaxation if you allow it to be. Uh, this could mean that the worst difficulties are potentially held at bay for the moment. All right? This also encourages us to nourish ourselves for the movement and the challenges ahead of us. I think of this a little bit like the eye of the storm. If you want to be able to sustain yourself when your abilities are needed, you have to take care of yourself. You can't exhaust yourself. You have to be able to find time to enjoy your life so that you're not just getting lost and in morose, which is one of the negative parts of Pisces 3. We have Elpis and morose, hope and doom. So we don't want to get too cast about in emotional extremes. Sometimes we have to allow ourselves to play. Sometimes we have to allow ourselves to enjoy the good things in life to remind us what we're fighting for when the moment comes to stand up for in, a, in conflict. Okay? So, that to me is really important. Waiting at the banquet, perseverance brings good fortune. Try to enjoy yourself if you can. No, that doesn't mean we ignore the challenges that we have, but prepare by nourishing yourself and nourishing your dreams, finding your why. What is worth sacrificing for in your reality? And that brings us to hexagram number 19, which uh, translates to overseeing, approach, oversight, cooperation with others. Uh, the the growth of spring, and letting things take its course. Again, this is another good Pisces reminder. Is, you know, it's not time to push the river. It's time to dissolve the boundaries that separate you from others. It's time to dissolve some of the... It's time to return to the collective, okay? It's time to, to, to have a unified sense of purpose with others so that when it's time to individuate, you can take that energy with you. Can, you can draw upon that source and support. Nobody is an island. Even the most fearsome Aries has a, a support system, okay? So that's the hexagram that we have for the month. And the animal that I have for you, okay, this was the, sorry, here was our hexagram, five, waiting to 19, overseeing. The animal I have for you is 
the clam, which I feel is a very Piscean animal. <laughs> like I, I randomly pull these from a, a book of animal uh, symbols that I have. And this made a lot of sense. The clam is an animal that basically stays in one place. It's an ocean dwelling animal. It lives in that Piscean ocean and it allows things to come to it. Like the ocean currents bring it its food. It's not going out and pursuing these things. It's waiting for its opportunity. It has a, a shell that protects it. Uh, so it's important on, at this point. It knows when to stay open and when to close. If threat is near, it closes. If things are peaceful, it can open up itself a little bit. So this is a, this can encourage us to keep quiet about some plans that we have. Maybe at this point, we don't need to tell everybody about our the next greatest idea. Sometimes we need to protect it so that we can let it grow into fruition so that when we do put it out into the world, uh, it's able to, to stabilize and to, to survive. So sometimes we have to retreat into that shell to protect ourselves and that's okay. Uh, Pisces, or Pisces placements, sometimes we retreat into our imagination and to be able to find what is what our motivations are. Okay, and it's not a permanent place to reside, but it is a it is a journey to go on to find that meaning that will inform action in the future. So Clam could be teaching us that silence could be golden at this time. So knowing when it's safe to open up, when it's safe for us to express our deepest, most vulnerable part of ourselves. Uh, clam can also be about setting healthy boundaries. So during Pisces season, it can be difficult to set boundaries because we're dissolving the boundaries, but you know, as the Venus-Saturn conjunction might show us, even in a place with uh, universal love and compassion, having a, a, a structure to that can be helpful. And then finally, going with the flow and with the currents of your life. This isn't a time to force things. This is a time to, to wait patiently, not in fear, but with hopeful and positive expectation, while also preparing ourselves for the new start, for eclipse season, so that we know that when we are ready, when the moment to take action comes, that we'll be ready to do it from a place of centeredness and a place of restoration, okay? So, that is what I have for all of you today. Thank you so much for being with me. We are going to come in under three hours. We did what we said we were going to do. We set a healthy boundary. Thank you so much for being here today. Do me a huge favor. Uh, please like this video if you enjoy the work that I do. Please subscribe to the channel. If you want to make a donation to the work that I do, you can buy a super chat or a super sticker. You can go to buymeacoffee.com uh, after the fact if you want to donate. Or you could sign up for a reading at spencermichaud.com. So check me out over there, spencermichaud.com. You can find webinars in the store. You can find readings in the Book Now button. Uh, you can find articles, etc. You can also follow me at Instagram or on X or threads at Spencer Michaud, M-I-C-H-A-U-D. So friends, that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Mr. Hindsight, for being here. Uh, thank you, everyone who's commented. Thank you, everyone who has uh, graced me with your presence today. It's such a joy to be of service to you. Remember through March, I know that there's going to be a lot of things that are going to going to test our patience and that are going to swing these emotions in wild swings. But stay connected to your center 
And stay connected to your kindness. I, I want to reiterate something that I heard from Joy Usher. Is she talks about you know Pis- the Piscean quality of being able to, to connect with kindness. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do is to do the kind thing. And that will require vulnerability. But there is a quiet strength to choosing kindness over choosing hate and choosing to be calm and placid over being the loudest one in the room. Don't ever mistake someone's quietness for weakness. Don't ever mistake kindness for weakness. I think that that's really important as we move forward into this period of time and into this next uh, chapter of our lives. So that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for being here, and um, we'll see you the next time. Peace.